Welcome back to another episode of the All Music Is Good podcast. The podcast that takes a deep dive into four recent releases. We get right in there to try and work out what's great and sometimes not so great about each one. This week we'll be looking at albums from Paper Kites, Nubian Twist, The Foo Fighters, Archie Shep and Jason Moran's new collab. But before we get into episode 19, let me say hello to a man sitting across from me. Still feels strange saying that, Eric, that after last year, but... Here we are in a real room with real walls and real ceilings. Well, you could argue that. Not real we'll, doors, we'll though. Get down to that. Actually, there is. Yeah, anyway. Um, look, I provided him with some um, wine tonight. Thank you, Wazza. Uh, but on the flip side, I'm kind of disappointed that he hasn't provided me with uh, the prawn crackers that he did in the last episode. But uh, I was kind of hoping that might be a new normal, Eric, but um, <laughs> maybe it isn't. Uh, on that bright note... <laughs> <laughs> Let me say hello, well a big hello to my non-prawn cracker friend and all music is good co-host, Arik Bloom. Arik, how are you? Hi Woz, I am really good. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, um, being just a straight numeric rating scale, let's say about an 8. I would have been a 10, except I've got, the, I've got an ingrown hair <laughs> on my pubic bone. <laughs> You know what? Like, I think it's time that men start to really talk about this sort of stuff more publicly yes. because, you know, it's just it's fundamental to you know being able to share, um, you know, the sensitivities of life. And I, I'm um, I'm 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 in pain. I'm in I'm in a lot of pain. But uh, I'll be right. Maybe you should swap to the couch where I am. Yeah, you've got a nice little angle there. It's fantastic. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> really I'm digging it. I'm digging, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. It's a vibe. It, I'm not sure if you've seen the Marvin Gaye. Um, there's, a, there's a great thing on YouTube of Marvin Gaye recording a song while he's lying down, and you're kind of in yeah, that zone yeah. right now. I've it's just moved out of that zone. <laughs> You have, you have, but yeah. I, I like it. It's it's cool. We're we're quite cozy tonight, and um, our guest looked at me in a bit of a weird way. So I'm just going to move back to a. Just have a lot of questions about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stay quiet, guest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but look, I look as I said, eight out of ten. Feeling good. Um, uh, had some shows announced this week, which yes. is like pretty exciting. Yep. Um, even though I'm kind, I've kind of committed to them not happening. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, uh, there's, I've got a show coming up at the Corner Hotel, which is going to be a bit exciting. Nice. And um, uh, also, yeah, and there's some other places as well. But um, but in the spirit of a new normal, as you said, uh, I'm kind of complete. Like I've I've got dinner plans that night too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at home. Yeah, yeah, at home dinner plans. Yeah. Um, ready to rock. So uh, yeah. yeah, but no, I'm I'm good. How about you? Was what's so, news? Um, look, it's been a sad few weeks. I think in the Melbourne music scene um we've lost a number of people in the industry to go and play at the big gig in the sky and look so from my from my end it would be remiss of me not to give a special mention to my music and bulldogs football compadre pierre baroni um he was an artist in the true sense of the word i think um he was old school versatile he's a musician an artist a dj a good dude and look there was no compromise in how he went about things artistically and he was a walking encyclopedia of, of soul and funk, especially Southern soul and funk. And, um, yeah, it was my great joy to sit with him 
in the 2016 um, season that the Bulldogs won the flag as 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 rusted old bitter Bulldog supporters who never won anything. But uh, look, we lived our dreams. We lifted the Premiership Cup. And then we asked ourselves, what do we do now? And uh, What did you do? Well, we ended up losing a lot more over the last five years, so it went back to sort of normal, so we felt good about that. But look, you know, I'm going to miss the dude. Um, uh, so look, shout out to, you know, the PBS community and all the music community who have lost a soul warrior, so Vale Pierre. Absolutely. No, well said, Was um, You know, an, an amazing man and an amazing supporter of, um, of Melbourne Soul and... And good musicianship overall. I think I'd probably I'd I'd be probably correct in saying all three of us have had those great moments with Pierre, mm. or those like moments where he tells you you're like absolutely shit. Yeah, totally shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, have a pat on the back. But have a pat on the back and keep on trying <laughs> yeah. because it was never it was never quit, right? Like you've always got another shot. And um, yeah, yeah. Grump, grumpy, grumpy, <laughs> and <laughs> he didn't like it when you did a bad gig. But, you know, always there, always yep, there. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, on the other end of the spectrum, Mark, we had something incredible happen two Thursdays ago when I woke to find that Hiatus Coyote had dropped a new single. And, oh, my God, it was everything, like just everything. And then a whole lot more, I think, because, like, oh, how much did you realise that you'd missed them at that moment when that song came out? I don't know if... It, yeah, it was I, uh, it was my it was blowing my mind. It blew my mind too. I think I mean I don't know I don't know what it was, but it was just like this perfect storm where they counted the track in with like actual drumsticks and then it just kicked off yeah. and it's um it's a thing, you know, you knew you knew from that intro that it was just immediately brilliant and um it's an exciting time. I mean, I, I didn't know much about Arthur Ver is it Verakai? Is that the guy's yeah, um, yeah, the, the guy's name? A string arranger, yep. Um yeah, I just I just can't wait for the album. I mean, I, I'm Me imagining we're going to be reviewing it on this podcast, but uh, but it, you know it is just tens. I'm just going to give it a yeah, ten now. Pre- preemptive ten, yeah. um, or a preemptive zero if we're using the uh, oh, yeah, the reverse shim, scale. shim reverse rating scale. Yeah. Um, but look, it's exciting, and I think there's a lot of. I, I feel as though that's just like the the starting gun for a lot of really exciting things that are going to happen this year, yeah. and um, I really really can't wait. I really can't wait. Um, there was also a remix album dropped from a previous guest of ours, Natalie Slade, on uh, Eglo Records, um, which is awesome as well. So shout out to Natalie and her Ethiopian curry recipes. Yes. Um, and lastly, I might save this one till we bring in our guest, but I was minding my own business surfing the interweb the other day, Eric, when my eyes were diverted by some clickbait. Okay, and it's 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 a dark place, dude. It at, is a dark at, place. At the bottom of web pages, it can be a, a horrible place. Yeah, and it was titled 20, the twenty five most overrated bands of all time." Oh my god! So how could I not click on it? So look, before we decide whether we want to go down this dark path, maybe I'll introduce our guest reviewer for the week. What can I say about this individual? She's a multi instrumentalist, a vocalist, and having worked her way through through jazz school um she slayed all comers as a killer trumpeter she was front person for the band leisure center as well as her and james bowers new jack swing duo audrey she's blushing she fronts her own jazz ensemble she was featured on the sunny side up brownswood 
Melbourne re-kid. What was that, two years ago? And, like, every time I tune into Giles on the radio, he's always banging on about her, which, to be honest, is pretty much the highest praise one can aspire to in life, I think. <laughs> um, she's recently released her debut EP, Bet I Made, which was recorded uh, in New York pre-COVID, where she was living, and I... Um, uh, and like I think it was, she can tell us about it, but I think it was recorded with the who's who of that future soul jazz world. And most certainly, I think most certainly her biggest achievement to date, though, and I'd love her feedback on this, was was a short-lived but memorable six-month stint with the Where Are They Now Melbourne Funk Luminaries <laughs> Deep Street Soul. So it is with great pleasure <laughs> that we give Big All Music is good welcome to the wonderful Audrey Pound. Audrey. Thank you. I was going to say you left out my crowning achievement. <laughs> That was a big gig for me at the time, you know. Was it? Yeah, as a as a youth and a Melbourne jazz scene cherry bar Thursday night aficionado, it was a big deal to play with Deep Street Soul. That's nice. Well, it was a time. So here's a question. It was a time. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> but you went went off overseas. Like you just like you were there and then you were gone. Oh yeah, that was. I thought I was going to go study jazz in New York, and then I got there and I was like, this is. Right. Well, just FYI, and I quit. You're, not, you're not the only person that's played a show with Deep Street Soul, and I'm just kind of curious. Really? I'm just oh, kind of curious. Don't do it. Don't go there. Eric. I'm just kind of curious to know is, um, you know, like, you, did you hang around for very long, or they fire you because um, they fi- uh, Yeah, uh, well, they didn't even give me the courtesy of firing that's me. They just true. replaced me with another ginger trumpet player. You went overseas. The exact same thing happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was just dream. quietly replaced. Yeah, I was. I was quietly also overlooked. <laughs> but you know, good to know. Good to know that there's another peer in the room, dude. Uh, um, Audrey, like, yes. I mean, you're flat out. Like, I look at the interweb and the socials, and it's like you are on everything at the moment. Like, Women of Soul, MD, last weekend, um, Midnight Oil, the weekend before. No way. Yeah, can we, yeah. Um, yeah, look, I'm in Midnight Oil. No, no. <laughs> so far from being in Midnight Oil. Look, that Boiler Room session was freaking awesome. That, that was, you guys that did was very with, cool. With James and Tim, and who was playing drums on that one? Michael Wallace. Right. Amazing, amazing uh, drummer awesome. from Brisbane. She, and, uh, uh, they were the drummer for Lanius and the Family Yard. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Also, yeah, Iskay. Disco yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Super drummer. Feather, who have an album coming out. Oof. That band is going to blow some thing. shit up. Be yeah, it's fucked up good. And, like, when she's not doing that, Arik, like, she is... When she's not doing that, Arik, she's, like, touring <laughs> in New York and... Uh, across Europe with the Teskey Brothers. So, like, I mean... I did that, like, yep. You know, it was like as a musician when you go, there's not much happening, and then all of a sudden you sort of... Someone reads it out to you and go, actually... Yeah, yeah pretty, I'm actually feeling good. really good now. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Because, like, all last year I was basically like, what am I doing with my life? I have no superannuation. And, I'm, yeah. and you know, I came back from New York, like, because of the pandemic, and now I'm living with my mum. So I'm just like, I'm such a loser. But you went there but You I, went there to live and play? Was that, was that the idea? Yeah, I got an artist visa. Um, I, and I was always kind of obsessed with New York jazz, I guess. And just... Yeah, I, I'd been over a few times for like, uh, you know, a couple of months and just hung out. And um, the year before I moved over there, I, I made that record that's playing yeah, in the yeah. background hey, now with a it's bunch awesome. of dudes who were just like lovely. And so I made a bunch of friends and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to move there. Did I read that was Bilal? Was that Bilal's band or someone who worked with? It's basically Bilal's band. The producer, awesome. well, well the guy through, that I made it with, um, uh, it was like. How did that happen? Well, it's actually like I met this guy sort of through Bender and Simon. Yep. But, you know, 
They're like they so weren't actually from? there from hiatus Cody. Okay. So they weren't actually there, but like Micah was sort of there, and they'd been there a few weeks before and stayed with this guy, and then, you know, um, I sort of knew people, and they were like, "You should go to this thing," and um, yeah, uh, I went to this kind of party, like live gig, that was at this guy's studio. And it was Kendra Foster, who is one of the... Yeah. She, she's amazing. She used to be a backing vocalist with Parliament and then, I think um, I just watched 20 Feet From Stardom, like, yesterday. Yeah. For, for, I don't know, I hadn't seen it in, like, five years. She was a featured on that. Yeah. I also uh, supported Lisa Fisher. Oh. So, you know, let me just keep... You told me to name Ooh. drop, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. there you going. go. Is yeah, you can see the selfie on my Instagram of me and Lisa. Did she sing with the stars? <laughs> <laughs> she yeah, sang with everyone. And, and, all, and yeah. she really is wild really? and she yeah. is, like, just so beautiful. Yeah. She's like, like the original Mariah. Yeah. Like, I met her once and, like, you know, we got a wine. It, like, I supported her in, like, the Melbourne Jazz Festival and she was just, like, beyond friendly. And then I messaged her in New York just, like, you know, why the fuck not? Yeah. Because she was playing at Blue Note and she's like, yeah, I'll put you on the door. And she put me on the door and we had a wine and everything. Just, like, so lovely. So beyond lovely. So I've got a question, just, like, in your experience in New York. Did you feel like, you know, you said, so I sent her a message and then something happened. Mm. Did you feel that that was something that you could do and things happened versus, say, like doing the same thing in Melbourne and... Definitely. So i got to say, I, I'm not saying it's better or worse, but it's a definite thing. More shit is happening that... Mm. I'm going to say something controversial. Go mm. and do it, do it. New York is less competitive than Melbourne. And yeah. in some ways it's more competitive. Yeah, well, it's but bigger, a lot, isn't Because it? there's so many people, yeah. it's like, well, you know... Yeah, who, who you're, cares? you're better off being friends with everyone. Yeah, yeah. And whereas here, there's more of this thing of like, well, there can only be one. Like, there's one yeah. person. There's, that, a there's a one name in, in everything. There's like one person in every genre. And if you're not that person, it's a massive competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was sort of like, especially with trumpet, it's like there's, you know, when you're something obscure like a trumpet player and a singer, it's sort of like this idea that there should be like one of you. But yeah, I don't know. It was it was sort of really liberating, and then you know. It, it was it was really interesting because you'd say these sort of things like, oh, you know, people say like, oh, we should meet up and out of a play. And then the next day they'd like fucking call you, like calling your telephone and you're yeah, like, yeah. what? <laughs> mm. But it was it was great. And I mean, the thing about New York is like all of those people are just accessible because yeah. they're, they're just people struggling to pay rent. Like totally. everyone is yeah. on the same level there almost. Um, and then, you know, there's the guys that are really trying to be famous. But that's a different. That's names. a different world, though, isn't it? It's yeah, like, I mean, it's more like, I mean, in I, I would imagine it. I don't. I don't know. I, I was there once for like twenty minutes. I was there for like a month. Is that when you went to Daptone? That is when I went and crashed. Oh yeah. The gate crashed to Daptones. Um, but like, yeah, it's kind of more like a theatre brain of that sort of competition versus the the scene over yeah. there. The music is kind of like, I don't know. It just seems like. You can just show up and people will be like, hey, yeah. hey. I mean, it's really interesting because, I mean, I think Hiatus Cody were really important for my personal experience because, I mean, I, I know them and I love them and, like, I always have. Um, but, like, it was just people were so much more into you being from Melbourne because they existed. Like, I cannot tell you how much the black community in New York love Hiatus Cody. Yeah, right. Way more than anyone. Like, they are so much more popular there than they are here. 
And it actually made me sort of like, you know, there was a real thing that happened with them. And I'm just going to say it because there was this real tall poppy syndrome shit that happened here with them. Do you reckon? Where people, I, I think so in maybe like a certain scene, there was okay. this thing this where they needed to like, uh, specifically like, you know, a nay. There was like, I felt like she was really like attacked and uh, and like mm. not in this big level but like they just couldn't uh, and like fucking triple j wouldn't didn't yeah. play yeah, them bizarre. like it's like come on and then now they're trying to claim them and playing their new single i'm like dude and meanwhile in new york it's like every fucking cafe you go into is just like you're hearing like i'm hearing this road sound and i was like i know yeah, that yeah. simon maven yeah, i know yeah, that yeah, pretty yeah, piano yeah. playing anywhere it's wild so, it's wild yeah it is bizarre like that i mean you know they've they've had multiple grammy nominations it's cool though because you say you're from melbourne now and people are like oh my god i wonder if it's like i think i mean i don't i don't know like i don't know the project deeply in so much as all of the internal or un, you know underground stuff but just like watching from a distance it's almost as though they they so didn't give a fuck about sitting in a mold that would work in this country that yeah. in fact the country itself was like well if you don't care about us we don't care about you and mm-hmm. it almost seems as though it was this like beautiful kind of exchange where everyone agreed to not give a fuck about each other yeah, and then they went and just bit, yeah. like exploded internationally and know? skipped over it and there, there was skipped like a series it. of like there was a series of lucky things but there was also like the thing that people forget about that band is like, uh, or maybe don't know about that band is like they all live together in this share yeah, house yeah. in Clark Street, Northcote, yeah. and they practiced every fucking day. When I met Pez, I remember playing with Pez when he first started drumming, and it was like he just started, you know? Yeah, yeah. He learned to fucking play drums, and then he played drums for that band. Like, there's so many things about that band that are so incredibly special that you can't, you can't overlook. And there was this beautiful moment when they were blowing up in the US and there were all these kids like sending nay videos on f- it was when Facebook was like pre-Instagram it was very Facebook and Is there um, a thing called Instagram? <laughs> yeah there was all these kids like you know Gospel Chops kids in the States sending nay video like if you ever need a drummer if you ever need a drummer and she just went down and responded to like a whole oh, bunch wow, of them saying so like good. my band is like every member is important and we're a band and like yeah, I don't know yeah, if this yeah, is yeah, true yeah. but there was all this talk that she'd turn down like solo deals to get a deal with the band I don't doubt and you know that band is really a Band it's and banned. it's really it's really special and yeah I, an I just lo- I just love them and I'm so yeah I'm so happy that they have new music yeah, out and um, yeah. I think also um, as a not following the standard you know you you work your way up and go through the proper bookers and the management companies mm. and the labels in Australia probably. Um, not put them in a disadvantage. Like some, it's probably an advantage. Um, I think in that genre of music, it is. Yeah, like, look, looking looking back at it now, but um, you know, maybe that's why they haven't been supported as much in Australia. I don't, I don't know. I wonder. Well, I mean, obviously, I'm on a completely different level. Yeah, but sure. like, it was sort of weird for me with like Giles was. I mean, he's been so nice to me and in like really helped me with so many things. But like. There's, that that just doesn't exist for the kind of music that I make in Australia. Yeah. And like, to, to having said that though, the only reason I ever even got in the ears of Giles was because Melbourne Community Radio is so strong and people like Mike and yeah. Mike Guerreri, um, Ms. Risk, Chris Gill just have been championing me for so long. And then when Giles came to town, they were like, go see this chick. And yeah. then, yeah, and they sort of did the same thing with hiatus and it's all these lucky things. So, And for a heap of people in the, on the on yeah, the, well, not the, I wouldn't call it the underground scene, but 
whatever the salt the salt the community you know you still have to you can't just like pretend that like where you're from doesn't exist and just try and make it in america because you will fail you got to engage with your community and then Mm. and you know it's a thing like uh yeah i I think the melbourne that melbourne community radio thing is is so strong but also it it goes both ways you know you've if you want it to be a community you've got to go like you got to go to everyone's shows and you know see everyone around and support each other because everyone's success like hiatus success su- hiatus yeah, success is great for all of us Agreed. and and we've got to fight against that thing here of like um the competition because if for any of us to make it, it yeah, we it's all good for all of us Look, it's I'll so be, great for all of us like i'm an old fucker and um I would say that what it is now is so much better than what it used to be. Like, um, mm. like I look back to like the the groups like the Bamboos who were the ones who sort of first yeah, they were kind got of the first to the one. UK, but they sort of created a whole scene in Melbourne where it was okay to have funk bands go into clubs and play that sort of music. And they and played instrumental music yeah, too, absolutely which was so cool. But people like Chris and PBS and Triple R and all the guys, you know, self-supporting. Like, it used to be really. Like it was way worse. It was dog eat dog, it and a, it was wow. so it was competitive. War. It was a war. It, a war. It, it, there was only there was only room for one. It, yeah. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're being flippant. Are you? Eric? No, I'm, I'm serious. Oh, right. like, <laughs> so much as that, like, like, like as that scene was like emerging, like the way bigger festivals looked at things was there was only room for one genre. the one band that had mm. the horn section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but and like, and, and but those bands also would like just keep it, like just hold on to it. But the, but that competition itself and it also ramped everyone's level up. T- totally. But you know um, what I mean? So there's some there's something to say about like, like the competition element also keeps people like pushing. I, I agree. Mm. But I think like people like um, – you know, this is God. We're, we're focusing on really local issues here, but people like like Chris and Mike and all the you know all and those Pierre, like and, and, Pierre. Pierre and all those yeah, guys had, like they but they they made it friendly yeah. where where bands would talk to each other and socialize and you know there'd be the competition there, but it would be healthy competition and it would be generally friendly. So my my comment on that would be that. Yes, it, it may exist, but God, it is way better than it used That's to be. That's good. Yeah, There's progress. It, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, like, it's funny in America because they all think that Hiatus Coyote came out of this bubble and, like, they're the only four people that play music in yeah. Australia. You know, it's also <laughs> yeah, this thing yeah. of, like, no, we had the bamboos. We had, we had Kylie. We had all yeah, these yeah. amazing people, you know. We have such rich musical history here and like no one really even like you know josh teske um when i toured with him he would put on his playlist um you know his vibe playlist for the dressing room you can imagine it was very chill very relaxed (laughs) but like it was like mostly australian music it was like 3070 you know Mm -hmm. i'm hearing like al joy's voice and then kylie the bamboos like a whole bunch of stuff emma d like the the putbacks all of that sort of stuff that's what they are listening to we have our own kind of legacy that that we we should all love (laughs) what a terrible comment we should all i think people are appreciating i think people recognize what it is and that we've got something special here and you know, you don't have to go overseas to push it. You can stay here and do it. I think it. that's really changing as well. I think original. it doesn't like moving to New York. It's such an expensive thing, and I don't regret it for a second, yeah. except for maybe COVID. That was pretty shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it was amazing. But I, I think it's less. 
especially in the jazz thing, but also the kind of neo-soul hip-hop jazz thing, it's way less, it doesn't matter as much being in New York like it used to. It used to be like, if you want to make it in this music, you've got to go to New York, you've got to play at this place, you've got to play at this place and this place, and then you're somebody. That that No one gives yeah, a shit about that anymore. That's really interesting, yeah. I think London's always been like that as well because, you know, we, didn't, we would never have been in London. It's oh, like, yeah. It feels like bands just come in and then they're out again. And there is bands in London, but it doesn't feel like, you know, there's a London scene as such as more... Uh, that there's yeah. Well, I think, I, think, I, think I think you hit a thing on the head, which is fundamentally like no one can afford to live in New York, so yeah, all yeah. there it is. I like, mean, literally now, like most of the musicians, except for a few, like uh, whatever, I'll just say it, jazz purists who have really like kind of stayed there because they're like, I am a New yeah. York jazz yeah. musician, but like everyone's left, everyone's gone mm. back to where they're from. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in America because there'll be these bubbling sort of scenes, like a whole bunch of dudes have gone back to Nashville and Atlanta and stuff like that. So yeah, it'll just be really interesting to see how what was that the, who plays was the guy, out. PJ Morton, wasn't it, who went back to New Orleans after yeah, it wasn't happen- yeah. happening for him in LA? crazy and then he made better music yeah yeah that's right <laughs> weird that when you're in a comfortable place with people that you like that you make good music hey um i reckon Sorry, we just skip could, over yeah, the I talk um too long. oh no we we could talk no no don't all night, and we the, will the, talk more the beautiful thing about this podcast is like it's got it's got a kind of shelf life of between three to seven hours so <laughs> you know and there are like three people that will listen to the whole thing so that, we're, we're good we're good let's keep I it going I think if I have a reputation for anything it's for talking a lot so I don't know welcome, if you guys yeah, checked wh- that out with anyone else welcome but to the club. it's welcome like to the club. I'm sorry in club. advance it's great to have you here yeah well, it also means that she's going to be a repeat guest that's like, right every that's it. You just, you just <laughs> so don't just save save some powder for another episode well I did already fuck this podcast up because I forgot to listen to the paper kites. Oh my god! So that's I'm all right. just going to have to good. listen to that. Don't worry, we got this. We got this under control. We got this. Okay, so I reckon we skip over the 25 most overrated bands because we can save that for another. Can you time. just give us oh, who was? Uh, oh look, come on, who was, was the most overrated? Ones. Drop it. Drop it in. Drop it in. In between a different, if a different album. Okay, I'll drop it in. Okay. Okay. Dro- so drop it in on the Foo Fighters. Um. Uh, as long as the Foo Fighters are in the list. Okay, it's okay. I'll fine. start with the with the most overrated band before every album. All right. So yeah, before yeah. we get into the albums, let's uh, we've got to get on to the Instagram like of the week. So Audrey, what this is about is uh, mm. oh, you can have some wine while I'm I'm, I'm telling you. Um, it's a segment that celebrates a new Instagram account that we have come across amidst scrolling the Instagram accounts of people who may be out riding their Suzuki jet skis. Um, industrial walshim <laughs> companies fijian golfers each week i find a new account for us to follow and invite arik and our celebrity guest audrey to guess <laughs> what this <Shut> mystery <laughs> who this mystery account or what this mystery account may be with a series of cryptic and not so cryptic clues um to us it's not about the amount of likes our account gets it's more about the honor one should feel for having the all music is good instagram account like them <laughs> And it's been a big couple of weeks for Danny Minogue, Arik. I've noticed a lot of activity. I'm getting a lot of notifications. <laughs> Danny's just released a new clothing range oh via, a small, um, via a small to medium retail chain in the UK, which has also been franchised out to Target in Australia. Oof. Get around um, it. It's so good. That's, oh, oh, you know I it, own a piece of Danny Minogue oh clothing. Get because it's made for short Stop women. It. It's amazing. Is Danny short? She is. Yeah, her yeah, and sister they're are very tiny. short. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you don't know what it's like to buy jeans when you're short. Sorry, Lip- I'll stop talking. No, I when I flippantly you. sort of throw that in there, I was not expecting well, that to I mean, happen. But I mean, now, Waza, you it's hard not for know. short women out there. I mean, was as a six foot three yeah. country boy. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> 
<laughs> and I am the farthest away from a Denny Manog range <laughs> that one right. could imagine. I bet maybe that there's there's some work to be done there, you know. Um, look, Daniel Ricciardo's just uh, commenced the Formula One season, who is another person that we've liked. Um, oh, so his him. account is a flurry of activity at the moment. And um, what else have I said? Oh, and of course, when we added the Duchess of Sussex... During we had no ch- idea. Ch- Wickham's episode. We who was to know? Who was to know? That, um, and, but you know, like <laughs> that's like six thing, months later, Eric. This is that's an incredible thing about this guy, right? I mean, mm. like he's got this almost like Swami Svengali type, <laughs> like <laughs> prophet, yeah, esque kind of antenna. Yeah. That this like he's kind of just like he's just like closed his eyes and gone. Megan Markle. Yeah. That's who's going to be our Instagram like of the week. And next minute, it's literally headline news for months. And I, I dare say it's not going to be the last time. I mean, well, it's a shock that Megan Markle is famous. Right. Is that what you're saying? Really? No, just that she got more famous. Look, that she got more. She, she was the controversy. She got more, made, more famous very shortly after, after we liked her oh, Instagram okay, yeah, yeah. account. Look, you know? I, 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 I have to say that if one wants a lesson on how to strategically take <laughs> down or prosecute a case against certain family members, um, one only has to look at her Instagram account to get an example of pictures say more than words. She is a ninja. She is... Like she's killing, down. killing, killing everyone. She's killing the socials. I love that. Absolutely killing the socials. So without further ado, um, let's say the Instagram like of the week. Do it. This person, Eric, will actually be the youngest person to be inducted into the All Music Is Good Instagram <gasps> like of Hall of Fame. Her resume for someone so young, though, is absolutely ludicrous. Greta Thunberg. She is a television actor. And host. Okay. She may be the only Australian to have won both a Logie and an Emmy. Hold on. Is that chick that dances in Sears music videos? That, I can't going. believe I just described her as that chick. Just do it. Go there. Keep going? Yeah. All right. She's won the US version of Dancing with the Stars season 24 and has recently become engaged to professional wakeboarder Chandler Powell. And they've just had their first child together. How old is she? She's young. 20s. 20s. Mm. And she's won Dancing with the Stars. And has won a Logie and an Emmy. A Logie. And an Emmy. And an Emmy. Bindi Owen. I was also going to say Bindio, but Bindio is like 85 these days. I'm going to finish with the clues, but I just want to say congratulations to Audrey Pound with the Bindi Irwin. She's just smashed it. It is Bindi yes. Irwin. Look, I just want to finish with the last clue, Eric, because you're going to love she's this. She's younger than Dan- Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah, she's she's like 23 or Rubbish. 24. She must be really she's young. She's 24. Oh, my God. She must be. Yeah, she's got to be somewhere around that age. What am um, I doing with my life? She was born, Eric, in Budrum Hospital. Oh, my God. No way. And her there middle name, Sue, is a tribute to her dad's late dog who died of cancer at the age of 15. So... Bindi Irwin, welcome to the All Music Is Good. Well, we're going to like your account this week. So and Bindi uh, Irwin has kids now. Yeah, she had a kid. <laughs> that's <laughs> to terrifying. a professional wakeboarder. That's amazing. Is she? Wh- I mean, like, that's kind of what I expected. They met when she gave him a tour of Australia Zoo. Apparently, oh, wow. 
do, like, but it was years what, before, what, what's, what is on her Instagram account? I don't know. Eric, you ask me this every week, and I don't actually look on their account before I pick. All right, we'll the, have to look at that It's in all the about break. the clues. Lots of khaki. Anyway. Well, well, I mean, you get a prize. That's right. I think we're going to give her a uh, copy of Kumar's chicken curry recipe. There it is. I've already got them. I ah. saved. I screen, I screen recorded all of his uh, recipes. <laughs> so did we. So good. <laughs> They're so good. They are so, so good. good. I, I can't so believe good. I made my own pinia. Oh, the um, the chicken curry is my favourite with the mint. Oh, all the also mint. just shout out to Kumar for just being a beautiful Sh- human being. Shout out to Kumar. I got a I got a message from him the other day. I'm doing show. I'm Grande. O- yeah, I'm opening. I'm opening for a, a thing for, that he's doing, and he was. He just, hey man, hope you're well. Mm. You can use my app. Oh, that's nice. Anyth- oh. Anything else you need? And I'm like, I just love you. I He's think it's so beautiful. I think he? it's safe to say, Eric, that of all the people who listen to this episode, Kumar will be listening. <laughs> and Kumar, we oh will have God. you back on soon. Mate. Kumar, Kumar, we'll see you next week. We'll see you soon. All right, with um, we're going to have a quick break and we'll come back with our first album of the week. So the first album of the week we'll be reviewing is Foo Fighters' new release, Medicine at Midnight. So for those unfamiliar with this musical project, Foo Fighters is an American rock band formed in Seattle, Washington in 1994. It was founded by Nirvana drummer Dave Grohl as a one-man project following the dissolution of Nirvana after the suicide of Kurt Cobain. The group took its name from Foo Fighter, a nickname coined by Allied Aircraft Pilots for UFOs and other aerial phenomena. Over the course of their career, Foo Fighters have won 12 Grammy Awards, including Best Rock Album four times. The band has also won an American Music Award, four Brit Awards, two MTV Music Awards. As of 2015, Foo Fighters have sold over 12 million albums in the US. That is an absolute giveaway that I'm reading this off Wikipedia. Yeah, we said we weren't going to do that anymore. I'm doing that tonight as well, though. Okay, so let's move on. Hey, can I just say, I, I went into Dan Murphy's <laughs> to get some wine for tonight, and I walked in, and Monkey Wrench was playing on the PA. I was just no. like, oh, this is too weird. Great song. In October 2019, the band announced that they were recording their 10th studio album based on demos by Grohl. In November 2019, the band began releasing a series of EPs under the umbrella name of The Foo Files. Gee, that's pretty obtuse, isn't it? Largely consisting of previously released B-sides and live performances. By February 2020, Grohl announced that the new album was complete, but by May, it was delayed indefinitely because of the COVID-19 pandemic, saying, We've kind of shelved it for now to figure out exactly when it's going to happen. Starting in November 2020, promotion for the album ramped up and uh, Medicine Man was released on the 5th of February 2021. Um, there is also an accompanying Medicine uh, Medicine at Midnight commentary album, 
which I am going to be checking out after this evening's episode. So, a little bit of, um, I guess it's really, I listened to the record and then I went to a Pitchfork review before before the <laughs> album. And uh, I'd like to give my review before I talk about the Pitchfork review, even though it's a part of my deep dive. I just kind of feel like... I wonder if I read the same review because I read a review, which I never do mm. before... Looking at an album and it came this album like it, it just mm. absolutely took it, to town. it absolutely shat all over this album. I think Moy might have read the same review. So let's. I'm going to hold that out. I'm going to hold off on that because I'm going to. I have never been a Foo Fighters fan. I saw them. I saw them. Wait, no, actually, I I'll correct that. I saw them in 1995. Was at, that a big day out? No, it was at Somersault Festival. Okay. They had literally just. Uh, released that debut self-titled mm. um, and like it was just Dave Grohl just being a fucking um, just legend and it was like 995 and it was all writ- music 495 written in 995 and it was just the best and I loved it and then they did like they kept on going and then there was like that they became like megastars around 2000 mm. with that film clip with the Mentos yeah. Uh, fly uh, or Learn to Fly. Learn to fly. Yeah, yeah, that was the third album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I kind of just lost interest, right? Yeah. And yeah. and which which I think kind of sets the tone for why people just shit all over them because it's just yeah. you know like like I was like oh, Foo Fighters. I, I guess I got to listen to it because it's probably you know it's a, it's going to be a big record. Um, and I was really not looking forward to listening to it. And I was like, I'm going to listen to three songs and then I'm going to get out. Yep. And it started and I was like, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, let, let's just all get in there. That first song, yeah, that was like... Uh, That's a na 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 it was, it was good. It was catchy. It's just, it's just it's like, fun. I like the song. It's just it's fun. fun. There were elements of production that I was like, uh, this like, like that really clean female voice just stuck out at me, and I was like, is this really oh, David? Is this, right. is this really happening like, right now? I thought I was powerful, to be honest. But you know, I had it in my head all. For yeah, the day. it was catchy. It was great. It was I hooky. listened to it again. Uh, me too. You know? Me too. There is. So like, yeah, to start with shame. Well, I think it was. It was it shame. No, it was. What was the first track called? Uh, Walking wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, where is it? I've got it written here. Uh, it just started with that like amazing like like you know drum. What was it like a four bar drum thing? Mm. And then it just kicks off, and it's just like. I feel great. I'm so happy. It's so nice to be happy. Um, and like I'm like and Dave making Grohl's, a fire. And I'm like Dave Grohl's always happy. Yeah, you know. So like yeah. it's I a good wanna- metaphor too. Making a fire. Like I liked the lyrical content. Yeah. It's like, I can't remember what it was, but I remember liking it. I was like, this is a great metaphor. Like I, I'm fed up. I'm. Um, Is that what it was saying? Because every week we, <laughs> Eric and I discuss that we need to get more vocalists on the show who listen to lyrics because we, <laughs> we're not very good with listening to lyrical concepts. It's true. It's, true. it's something. I mean, it's a very. On. It's like a very. It's the metaphor of like I'm so fed up and angry that I'm on fire. Okay. But it was like a nice little nah, take nah, on it. Nah, yeah. Nah, 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 and nah, that riff, a- you know, it's like it's cool. I feel kind of. I feel kind of bad because I feel like I was so into Nirvana hmm. and so. As we all were, as yeah, everyone as was. everyone was, yeah. and so like in love with Nirvana, Dave Grohl, that I would just always judge him against that. So I can't have a Which proper is a opinion. Fair, it's, I think, and it's I a feel like everyone stick. does. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to talk to that in a minute because I, you know, we had 
so uh, for me, we you know it kicks off with that na 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 thing, and I'm like, okay, mm. cool. That's just like a, like a rich guy just celebrating all of his money. That was kind of like, you know what <laughs> I mean? He's like, fucking uh, rich. You know what I mean? It's like, like what's, the guitar- he's funny. what's the drummer's name? Taylor. Oh, Taylor, Taylor Hawkins. Taylor Hawkins. Oh, I used also to think rich. he was so hot. He's pretty hot. It's an age thing for women. I think when you're like in your teens, those like blonde, surfy looking guys, you're like, ooh, so hot. And then when you're like me, thirty, you're just man's. like, don't come near me. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> Get yeah, a job. Yeah, get a job. <laughs> put some put some shoes on. Put he's, some fucking shoes he's on. Have to a look shower. A bit more like Iggy Pop as well. Yeah, I think I think in like the long game of things is going to work in his favour. You reckon that? Hundred okay. percent. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I mean, you don't want you know we've talked about the Richie Sambora like like shitty mm. muscle tone situation. Yeah, like Taylor Dawkins <laughs> is going to like way. get yeah. worse and it's going to be great. It's going to get worse <laughs> and it's going to get better. <laughs> so the next song that I thought was amazing, I was like shame, shame. I was like brilliant. The sound of the room on the drums like you can hear it being yeah. actually recorded and i was like okay so like you know dave god josh homie have been hanging out this has got super queens of the stone age vibes mm. but like good queens of the stone age which song was that the f- uh shame shame i don't mm. remember exactly yeah, okay. i think it was yeah, yeah, shame, two shame or three. Is, yep, track two. and then cloud spotter shows up and i'm like this i'm like this is i'm like i cannot believe how much i love this record <laughs> it's like you've got shades of beck the percussion is off its head and then waiting on a war is like, here we are. Every AFL grand final for the next seven years is going to open with a montage of players banging oh, into each other. That's good analogy. It is um, an AFL grand final song. It's an song. AFL grand final yeah, song. Okay. And, so and it, it, it happens and it lifts over three and a half minutes. At three and a half minutes. Yeah. And, and like the but chord, it keeps gradually getting bigger with the 12 string bigger, at the start. And, bigger, and, and the chord changes, I reckon, have got like 100% like Nirvana... Nevermind vibes. What was the last song on the Nirvana Nevermind album? I forget. Uh, I'm on a plane or Nah, no, let me check, let me song. check, let me check. Uh, uh there it is. Never mind. I didn't even have to write it correctly in it. <laughs> Go internet. What is that song? Something in the way. Something in the way, yeah. Mm. Uh well, well actually not the last song, second last song. What's the last song? Uh Endless Nameless. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I was like, this has totally got that kind of vibe to it. It was like a something in the way vibe. And then the tempo just like increases like over <laughs> about four bars. And then you're like, it's just fucking yes, like speckies and goals <laughs> from outside 50. <laughs> and it's just the best. And I just thought that was so great. And then um, and then the, the title track, Medicine at Midnight, was like Shades of Talking Heads. Um, yeah, got, you, you know that, what I mean—that David Byrne yeah. kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then I was like, I've like, I've checked out. I've, I've actually written a message to Benza, who like Benza has been a guest reviewer in the past, and he's like, hands down, the world's biggest Furious Fighters fan. I was like, this is really okay. Yeah, this this album is actually fucking amazing, and I'll never listen to it again. And I'm done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's the, kind of that's that's been my experience. Well, I'm glad you had that experience. Well, what did you think, Audrey? Uh I mean, I had different like I the first song was the definite highlight for me. I was like, nah, nah. And I was actually really into the Foo Fighters for Mm. a period of time when I was about fourteen and um I was so desperate to talk to boys that I thought if I listened to the music that boys liked, I'd have something to talk to them about. And my brother was really into the Foo Fighters, so I started listening to it. Was he an older brother or a younger brother? Older brother. (laughs) Okay, good. But like I started listening to the Foo Fighters and I was like, this is fucking cool. And it was like... What what year are we talking? This was the Learn to Fly era. Yeah. Yep. And Monkey, you know, that yeah, time. Yeah, Monkey Rich. the shape. I just thought, I thought Taylor was like the coolest guy ever. Coolest I was guy. so into it. And I don't know, it's it's so interesting 
all I could think about with once I listened to this record, and I got to say, I I was like, oh yeah, 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 cool, cool, cool. Didn't really have a strong opinion until the ballad "Chasing Birds," and I was like, no, this is terrible. <laughs> like that song, just like that. It's like you don't need. We don't need to hear your sincere, deep political thoughts. I totally Dave agree. Like, the world, <laughs> the world does not need. Dave Gold's we thoughts don't on need, anything. The world does not need a Foo Fighters ballad. That is yeah, just yeah. not what we need right 100% now. Agree. Um, but apart from that, I just kept thinking about like it is a really interesting thing given that he like you know that Dave Grohl comes from Nirvana and you know like I just couldn't stop thinking about what would what would Kurt Cobain be doing now? Like it's that thing everyone yeah, well, gets older and like mm. it is under this thing like uh, very quietly and this isn't a comment but like I, I also did that gig with Midnight Oil like last week and it's this thing as well. It's like everyone gets older and yeah. Peter Garrett is an older person and mm. he's still kind of doing the same thing but he, it's changed and you know what, what works now. It's such an interesting thing and you know I don't know how old is Dave Grohl now? Do you know? I feel like I maybe this like, is oh, in his recent 50s. But yeah, 50s, he, yeah. he's probably got like almost adult children maybe oh he does totally yeah, yeah. but I, yeah. Think you, I think you make a really good point is that like that like the concept of getting older is just not remotely like there are certain artists that like started as old people mm. and just managed to just get through like Lou Reed for example Willie was Nelson. always Iggy yeah, Pop yeah, Iggy yeah. Pop all these guys, these guys were just they were always old they you know always, what I mean they were always men whereas I feel like the Foo Fighters were boys when they totally. started totally you know, they were like yeah, yeah. skater boys like yeah. it was they were kind of na- yeah. naughty 90s boys yeah. yeah and it's interesting because then I started <laughs> thinking like what is the pressure that like and what is the pressure on the Foo Fighters to deliver a Foo Fighters album I would say zero you know? pressure I would also agree do I'd you say think so no yeah, pressure. I reckon zero I think he's got no pressure the guy has done it all and I actually wrote a comment I think that's the issue with this album it's really interesting because I don't know if you remember when Daniel John like mm-hmm. not to talk about a different thing but remember when Daniel John's put out an album thought it was brilliant. a while ago so did I but I also thought like he could have done I feel like it's like the dream situation to be Daniel Johns or to be Dave Grohl where mm. like it doesn't matter what you put out. Like yeah. you will get a record deal and you will sell and you will have – everyone's going to listen to it. So you can really – you can do art, you know. You can yeah. do whatever the fuck you want. And that was like my my main feeling with this Foo Fighters album was like it's fine. But like <laughs> yeah, yeah. you guys could have fucking done something. And it doesn't have – I'm not saying you could have done something political or anything like that. I just mean you could have like taken risks. You could have tried something. And yeah. maybe that ballad was there trying something I don't know but it also felt like it, they were still trying to be the Foo Fighters but they're also not the Foo Fighters you know they're not young rock stars anymore it was so yeah. what, I mean as a question just like to throw it out there like in like a dream scenario mm. what would be your definition of the Foo Fighters trying something like <laughs> well I, I don't know like I don't know which, which is a poor answer but I guess like you, you think of artists like if you think of David Bowie or yep. Prince or someone like that that was just consistently being an artist and trying mm. to push the boundary and every record had something new and explored something new and then you think of like – and like I feel like – this is a terrible thing to say. I feel like that's what Kurt Cobain would have done totally. if he had stayed alive. Yep. And it really made me feel like that's the difference between Kurt Cobain and Dave Grohl. So guess, and they're both awesome but like one is an artist and, and one is a like, fucking rock star. That's 100% and there right. has to be rock stars in the world Ooh. and fucking God bless Dave Grohl for being a rock star. I'm not hanging shit on that. 100%. I just feel like it's a different thing. I think that is honest mm. to God. That's just like that's a knockout punch. We can just call this podcast off. That is, po- but a, also, that is, that like is some you truth don't, right you there. You don't 
don't want to listen to an artist 100% of the time. Sometimes True. you just want to listen to fucking nah, 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 yeah, nah, nah, yeah, nah, nah, yeah, nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take a specky. Was before we before we get to your um your review, I wanted to just kind of just have a quick look through the way Pitchfork talked about this because, like, this yeah, it's shat on all it's over shat the on it. And, yeah. and, I, and I found it really disappointing and also compl- yeah. entirely predictable. You know what I mean? Like, it is so uncool to like just go, hey, Foo Fighters. Great work. Like, so I just... I know, kind of fucking hate Pitchfork as well. Yeah, 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 I, I don't know, like, Eric. Like, I, I think, you know, you could swing either way on this album um, quite easily. And I, I think maybe there'd be better examples of a bad Pitchfork review than shitting all over the Food Fighters. But read it out. Okay, so they said <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Um, also, can you cut the part where I said fuck Pitchfork? Because I would really like to be in Pitchfork. <laughs> no, 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 but, no, no but, but to be honest, like that'll get you closer to getting yeah, totally. in. <laughs> fuck you, we're reviewing you. Fuck you, um, Pitchfork. We're giving you a five. A quarter century after they rose from the ashes of grunge, climbed Billboard pop charts, vacuumed up Grammys, and conquered stadiums worldwide, the Foo Fires returned with another album of inconsequential music, right? Which is like, let's a compl- I don't know. When you're a band of this size and tenure, new albums aren't necessarily born of personal inspiration, but out of a fraternal pledge to those around you, your band, your fan base, your road crew, a new line of Ram trucks. The guys of the Foo Fighters who have this wonderful, shabby, chic Venice Beach dad look now continue to plough through albums with one thankless goal in mind to keep the dying institution of rock alive. And with this cheerful indefatigability... and his commitment to the primacy of guitars. Dave Grohl is a generational rock spokesperson the future deserves. Bruce Springsteen without the tunes. And I'm like, you go and get fucked. Hey, come on. Like, think of the songwriting in Foo Fighters. Learn to fly. What has Springsteen done in 20 years? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, bless the boss, but like, Mm. you know what I mean? Just the the bar seems completely unfair. And then they just kind of shit on it, basically. I mean, I don't have to go any further, but um, but the fundamental is like, who really cares what Dave Kroll thinks and wants to say? Which I I can totally get behind, but like it doesn't it doesn't mean that it, y- you don't want to listen to it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like like is anyone is anyone kind of throwing that shit at, at a Bruno Mars record? Yeah. Also, <laughs> like it's okay to be popular. Weird comparison. Yeah. No, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, tall poppy is a weird thing. Um, and they're easy targets, I think. They're yeah. so, it's, it's like too, too exactly. Easy. It's it's a it's an easy lazy shit. There's worse shit. albums that yeah. have been made. That, that's what's sure. saying. Maybe this is not a good analogy because, like, it really, you know, you could go either way on this album. I think, which I'm going to. Um, go for it. So I'll just go for it. But like, I I just think, um, like, oh. I think it probably says a lot about the state of modern rock and roll, Eric, that this has become the first album. <laughs> With guitars, with rock that we're reviewed, and and the it band sounds, are like twenty five wow, years yeah. old. Like, so what does that say about rock in in modern society? Oh no, we did the um the Beths. Yeah, but that's pop indie pop. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, this is like this is out and out meat and potatoes. Yeah, rock and roll. Um, so yeah, like I mean, everyone else that first song, God, so just banged out of your speakers. It's anthemic. Isn't it is it? anthemic. Yeah. It was just happy, like and. Like, you played it twice. Like, as soon as it finished, I played it again. Yeah. Because I just, it made me happy. It's fucking uplifting. Yeah, so it's just like. Sorry, well, I keep saying fuck. Is that's that a fine. thing? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Um, got, I'm I'll Australian. Got, I'll just tick Australian. the um, explicit content on Spotify this week. Um, 
I just thought it sounded, yeah, it was great. And it made me happy. I, I loved it. it was, and it was it was a bit hip shaker as well. Like oh, it was a bit time. sort of southern country. I'm just like, oh, I could, <laughs> if I could boot scoot, I think you could boot scoot to this song. I wish that the listeners could see the actions that yeah. are going I had, on. I had my after, finger. And that's after he stopped lying on the couch. <laughs> It's a hey, bit boot scoot. It, <laughs> it is, is a bit boot scoot. Hey, um, so yeah, we're off and running. I'm happy. Look, shame, shame. That didn't really hit me. Um, I sort of like that Nirvana-ish melodic change in the chorus. Um, Cloud Spotter. I thought the verse was meh, um, but the pre-chorus and the chorus was like stadium. So like write a better cover, write a better verse. Um, look, waiting on the wall. Yeah, that was. I just thought it took too long to get there. Um, so yeah, when, when you've given me your footy analogy over three and a half minute montage working up to a grand final, okay, I can see that, but you know, it's like Richie Sambora come out with his 12 string and I just had no time for it. <laughs> and it just took too long. Um, look, yeah, Medicine at Midnight with the pads, synth pads. Oh <laughs> yeah, like, I wasn't into that. I was sort of saying, oh, there's a bit talking heads. Like, what are they doing here? Is this, is this them experimenting? Like, yeah, maybe like, they should stop experimenting. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, like, back to your comment. Yeah, it's like, I know. Maybe, maybe they the should. world really, like, could you imagine anything more cringy than like the Free Fires going, so, so, you know, we came together and we like got into like Dave's studio in uh, LA and we decided we've to, you know, decided we're going to really experiment. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to really experiment with our art. It's you actually like the a pitchfork worst. reviewer right there. I this reckon. is the thing. It's such a, it's like, you got to be careful what you wish for. It's like Justin Bieber is trying to be an artist now and it's fucking bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Anyway, I, I mean, that song gave way to a really <laughs> pretty, a really standard chorus though. Like they, they'd gone, ooh, some dark synths and then we just went into like a really straight up chorus. Um, I actually thought Bernard Fanning would sound really good singing over a lot of these I songs. I think someone's got to like, call him. Yeah. <laughs> Get him on the phone. Like, just take Dave's voice off and put Bernard on. Like, it'd be so uh, that, good. Actually, that would be an amazing... Um, can you imagine if... That would be a really cool project of just, like, yeah, give me the bands, bands just going, cool, that new album, we're going to do it too. Look... That'd be fun. What, like... I, I just kept asking myself the question, what is it that I'm not connecting with here? Mm, is good it question. That, is it that I'm old and I've just lost my ability to rock? Like, I think on that's the, on quite, the contrary, quite possibly. On the contrary, that album's made for you. <laughs> yeah, I think that's... Shut up, dad rock. <laughs> True. But, like, I, I actually thought it came down to songwriting. Like, and I thought the songwriting was pretty average. It was passable. It was yeah, passable. Agreed. Sometimes it worked. A, a lot of times it didn't. And also production-wise, there's uh, like a massive amount of compression yeah, on that master it's bus. Too clean. I'm just like going, oh god! It's like it's like me trying to squeeze into like a size 30 jean when I'm obviously a 34. It was a bit of a, a like, I mean, the Where's sound the of the record, the way it's mixed and mastered, is a bit like a like your dad buying a sports car. It's kind of like, dude, <laughs> this is not how your yeah. old music was made. Why are you trying to make it sound yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know? Why are you mi- why have you mixed it like it's this? A, it, it's like yeah, it's a 50 plus year yeah. old. Going, I'm going to squeeze into skinny, into skinny leg yeah. jeans. I mean, I mean, we should, I'm still relevant. Yeah, we should yeah, make yeah. it relatable to Eric. Like it's like Eric trying to squeeze from a 26 <laughs> into a 30, as opposed to a 30 to a 34. <laughs> but like you know, like Dave's clearly like a lovely guy, and he's funny. And like I think when he injects humour and fun into the songs, that's when they worked. Yeah. Mm. Um. But like for me, I just thought like w- w- relating back to what you said before, Audrey. Um. I actually think they needed a producer or someone mm. to come in and just say, hey, look, like there's three really good songs here. Maybe just get rid of the other seven, seven and write 
a bunch of new tracks and we'll have a good album. But it just sounded to me like they've just mm. gone into Dave's home studio. Let's fucking yeah. rock. We'll like have a party for 10 days <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then yeah. come out with the album. But it needed some A&R and some production. Yeah, I that's and I've got to say, I think the word, to take it from Pitchfork as much as it pains me to do so, the word inconsequential mm. feels pretty bang on to me. Yeah. Like it's not bad. And, and also like, you know, sometimes – there's probably a whole bunch of Foo Fighters that really fucking needed something inconsequential. Like, you've also got to think, like, you, you know, I also don't want, like, there's always a danger that Dave Grohl, you know, there was this moment, I don't know if you guys remember, where the Foo Fighters started getting a bit political and they just, like, fucked it up so much. Right. And it's like, I actually don't want to hear this from you because, like, you know, the political, out, yeah, the political message of the early Foo Fighters and, of course, Nirvana, which... Dave Grohl is always going to be painted with was like fuck everything like this is all fucked it's all fucked fuck it mm, I'm just trying to say fuck mm, as much mm, as I can mm, now mm, mm, uh, no but then it's like that. that's a political message for the youth yeah. and now you're not a youth so no. you yeah. can't deliver that p- political no. message and I don't want to hear your thoughts no, on abortion <laughs> yeah like yeah yeah but then but then you could also argue that like he's speaking to a demographic of probably like young men who Aren't even well, engaging in that is. sort of stuff. Yeah, he's he like tradies out yeah. in the work side. Yeah, where, where trucks, like, like if Dave Grohl can just like move the pin just like a little bit closer to that angle, maybe that there, there is come worth. Out, like he did know? come Who out knows? and um, talk about teachers' rights and um, in his mum's a teacher. In yeah, the, it, remember that, that, was that in the election? Wasn't that was really it? good. Yeah. Um, fuck, we could go on about this. Oh, he is a charismatic guy, isn't he? he? He's, he's a, a he's, charismatic yeah. guy. I think he's a genuinely but, awesome guy. I mean, but I, think, I do but, wish he was my dad. I also wish he was my dad, but I think... <laughs> he's like, a real dad now, but, but I wish he was my dad. It is kind of interesting. <laughs> We've kind of gone all around the board and all of, have all agreed that, like, like the world is not going to change from this Free Fighters record. No. Whatever he's trying to say, we don't need to hear. But we love Dave Grohl. We love Dave Grohl. And, and great stuff, Dave Grohl. And making and the fire Fighters. is awesome. And that snare roll at 3.35 is a <laughs> so awesome. Anyway, Arik, I think we should go on and rate this. I think we've talked it through. We've got other albums to get to. So give it to me. What's the rating scale for the week? Okay. So each week we like to uh, shout out an unofficial podcast sponsor. Um, for the All Music Is Good podcast. <laughs> the sponsor um, has no idea that we are talking about them, has not sanctioned their mention in this podcast, and does not contribute anything to the podcast, except we like to celebrate things that have happened either in our lives or we hope to happen in the future. So, um, this week's All Music Is Good podcast sponsor is... Shmura Matza. Shmura Matza. So, what? what? Okay, Matza is basically a. Ah, uh, here we go. Is uh, a it's Ashkenazi Jewish yes. dialect. That's what we call it, and it's um, it's a basically unleavened bread ah. that is part of the Jewish cuisine and forms an integral element of the festival of Passover. Awesome. During which chametz meaning leavened and five grains, are basically moved out of the house and we eat bread that is unleavened. Now... Are you going to take us through the five grains? Uh, I'm not going to take you through five grains okay. because, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and cut to the chase here. So <laughs> What? That doesn't sound like you. I know. that's I'm trying something <laughs> new. So matzah is this thing that we eat during Passover, but Shmura Matzah, which is our unofficial podcast sponsor, means watched... And it is an apt description of the mat- of this matzah, the ingredients of which are flour, 
water and they're watched from the moment of harvesting and drawing. The day chosen for the harvesting of Who the wheat... Who watches them? We'll talk about that in okay, a minute. Sorry. The day <laughs> chosen for the harvesting of the wheat is a clear, dry day. The moment it is harvested, the wheat is inspected to ensure that there is absolutely no moisture. From then on, careful watch is kept upon the grains as they are transported to the mill. The mill is meticulously inspected by rabbis and and supervision professionals to ensure that every piece of equipment is absolutely clean and dry. After the wheat is milled, the flour is again guarded in its transportation to the bakery. Thus, from the moment of harvesting through the actual baking of the matzah, the flour is carefully watched to ensure against any contact with water. Guess what, guys? The water too... Is watched? Correct. Carefully (laughs) guarded to prevent any contact with wheat or other grains. How would it come into contact with wheat or grains? (laughs) No. What? Water's just going to like somehow spill onto some uh, random wheat or grain? I don't know, but it's drawn the night before the baking. You said we get to this quickly. Come on. And kept pure (laughs) until the moment is mixed with the flour. Yeah. Guess what? Also in the bakery itself, yeah, the, they're watching the bakery. They've got security guards. It's under strict supervision to avoid any possibility of leavening during the baking process. This intensive process yes. uh, is also carefully guarded. <laughs> <laughs> that is Shmura Matzah. And then, of course, I'm sure it gets carefully guarded upon its packaging. <laughs> And then it gets delivered. Now. How many guards do we need? To- well, well, hold on. <laughs> the reason that we are talking about Shmura Matzah and not just your regular Matzah this week, of course, it is the week of Passover. And um, and I had to, uh, well, I basically didn't have to. I chose to mm-hmm. organize a Passover dinner at my house mm-hmm. uh, over the weekend. And, um, and I just, you know. Of course, living in Brunswick, it's hard to get your your Passover ingredients. Yeah, and you needed all three housemates uh, to look, yep, look out for yep, so, people. So we needed needed to make, to pay a trip down to uh, the old stomping ground of Carlisle Street, East St Kilda. And <laughs> I, to, uh, you know, I went to Husky down there, did I you? I did, Bubba <laughs> <laughs> I wish I did. Too? I wish I did. I didn't bump into anyone, but I um I walked into the Coles, which is uh, used to be my local, and uh you know got all my matzah ingredients, my matzah things, and my pe- Passover things, and then I as I was at the checkout, these four like ultra orthodox Jewish guys came up to me, and they said, and they they always talk with this kind of weird mm. like kind of like kind of American accent. Mm. go, Hey man, do you want some shmura matzah? And I'm like, is it free? And they said, yeah, 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 of course, of course. Is it free? I was like, yeah, 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 I'll, ta- I'll take it. And they said, are you Jewish? I'm like, yes. And I said, do you want to put on tefillin? I said, get the fuck out of here. And I, I, I just want, I just want the free matzah. And uh, and I got my free matzah. It was shmura matzah. I said, shmura matzah. Blessed by Rabbi. Watched, watched and guarded. So uh, we okay. used the okay. shmura matzah at my. Passover Seto. Right. And it is this week's podcast sponsor. <laughs> Woohoo! Thank you guys. So uh, I guess we should develop our rating scale. Um, I might just throw it out there. Yeah, I think I think how yeah. how many <laughs> how, how many, many sets of eyes do you need to guard every yeah, yeah. every point of, of the process yeah, yeah. to ah. to protect the shmura matzah? And I guess perhaps um oh, is it ten sets of eyes or is it twenty sets of eyes if we're looking at a ten was? Oh, I think twenty. Twenty sets of eyes, so meaning ten, ten people guarding the 
every layer of the process. That's our top score. And uh, and and that will obviously ensure a really quality shmura matzah. Yep. Um, and then of course one set of eyes or two two eyes. Okay. Below score. Let's go. Okay, I'm going to give two, oh, eyes. Okay, I'm going to give four eyes. Four so that's eyes? two sets. Wow, that's of, low. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give four eyes for the first song. What is it? Making a fire. Oh, you're going to go song by oh song. Oh my god, what's what the hell's Jeez, gotten we'll into be here? All night. I'm going to give four, and then I'm going to give another four eyes for that snare roll at 3.35, and I'm going to give um, two eyes for The Colour and the Shape, which was a great album, which I loved. So, we're, 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 where, where are we getting to? So we're, we're ten, ten eyes. Ten eyes. So, ten eyes out of a potential 20 eyes guarding the shmuramata. Thank you, Waza. What about you, Audrey? I'm going to say eight eyes. Eight eyes. Because I think it was just under, like, yeah. enough eyes. If he hadn't done The Colour of the Shape, it would have been eight for if me If the as well. ballad wasn't on it, like, if that song just, even if it was, like, one song less, then I would you go ten eyes. ramped up, ramped yeah. up to ten, ten eyes yeah. out of 20 eyes. Please, like, listen to that ballad. It's, it's called, like, Chasing Birds. Don't think it's, it's hilarious. It's just so bad. When you put songs on an album that actually bring that album down. So I, I love those songs in an album where you're like, did they listen back to this? Yeah, you're like, yeah, did, yeah, was right. there a moment where they sat in the studio and listened to this and went, yeah. yeah. This is amazing. Amazing. Nah. Yeah. Nah, man, yeah. this is your best work yet. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to say uh, 12 sets of eyes on this sh- on this uh, Shmura Matzah. Um, look, again, it's just, it's 12 sets of eyes, but it, but like if I was someone that loved the Foo Fighters, I'd probably say it's 20 sets of eyes. Yeah. Um, I just think it's, I think it's just, I loved the, I loved the way the guitars were recorded. I loved like the intensity, um, this kind of like, 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 there's just no self-consciousness. Mm. And, and, and I think Good point. that's a really nice yeah. thing sometimes where there's no apologies, there's no, like, insecurity and there's no self-consciousness. And, and, and to that, I'm like, you know, like, if, if, if they're not doing it, who the fuck is? Yeah, you know? I mean, if I had a gajillion dollars, I'd be like that as well. Yeah, true. That's also true. <laughs> um, so right. that is the Foo Fighters Medicine at Midnight. We'll be back very, very shortly. No question, today I learned my lesson How can you be you and I be me? No pain, no life gon' break me the payload Find me something new and I be free Sometimes I lean back in my chair to get the sky Past these clouds and stars Perspectives to loosen up my life, my baby. If I don't work out, I'm so our next album this week is uh, an album by the group Nubian Twist, and the album is called Freedom Fables. A little bit about Nubian Twist to kick us off. They're a 10 piece outfit from London who came together amidst the formative climate of Leeds College of Music. Taking the lead is Nubia Brandon, potent on the vocals and effortlessly cool, who fronts a band built on versatility. Soul, hip-hop, Afrobeat, dub, reggae, ska, electronic, it's, it's, a full, it's a full kit. They use a captivating blend of genres supplemented by Nubia's ability to drift between soulful to gritty, from singing to rap to spoken word. Um, uh, this is taken from an interview, and it's actually an interview with Nubia, and he says... 
uh, they were in different courses, but they all hung out and partied. It wasn't until they were all at the end of their course that they were like, let's get together and have a jam. And then it happened from there. Originally, they didn't have a name, so they called themselves the Ten Trick Pony, like One Trick Pony, but there were ten of them. And uh, they didn't get that until three years later, because Tom was saying Tantric Pony. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> so that, that's all I could... I couldn't find too much about them, apart from a couple of interviews. Uh, the Wikipedia hasn't been built yet. Right. And uh, as, a, as such, it's very hard to find information. They've had a few albums out there, haven't they? Mm. Uh, I, don't, I don't I don't know. Um, I would say that speaks more to your abilities to research on the interweb <laughs> than actually what they've done, probably. Well, uh, that's true, was it? I might handball over to you with a Foo Fighters soundtrack in the background. <laughs> and you can perhaps tell us a little bit more. Uh, well, do you want me to talk? Yeah, I'll, you I'll, go. I'll, I'll kick it off. Look, I only found out this morning <laughs> Which which made me have to rewrite my whole review, actually. That's not true. But um, they're actually on K7, which is the parent label of the album that um, Kylie's just signed to last year. So I've just written a whole new review from the one, the scathing yeah, one. Yeah, You've got you to be careful You've got to be careful. got to be careful. Who knows what people are listening overseas. Um, no, look, another um, exploration to a long line of excellent UK future soul albums mm. we've had the pleasure of reviewing over the past year, Eric. Um, look, one thing I think that they all have in common is that they sound so good. Like, the mm. sound of them is beautiful. Like, right from the first song, I was, like, getting a fusion of sort of UK act um, Moonchild. Um, I was feeling, like, some Kiwi future soul, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking um, specifically of, like, Julian Dine, some of his stuff mm. from, like, five or six years ago. Um, Julian Dine, man. Yeah, so, what a, so such a good drummer. Great, great producer. Um, uh... And also, like, I was getting some 3070 vibes with, like, some of the polyrhythms in a couple of the songs as well. But we'll get there. We'll get there, uh, uh, Audrey. But, um, look, as an overarching theme, I think it sits, like, you know, it definitely sits in that sort of neo-future soul wheelhouse. And, um, look, that first track, Speak of um, Possibilities to Come. Um, Track two uh, makes me think that, like, then we're really in that sort of 3070 Mm -hmm. world. Um, And that vocal... The vocals of it, I can't remember what the song was called, but a tittle tattle was it? And tittle, like it sounded tattle, like um tattle, like misre- misrepresented like from um, that thirty seventies last oh, album, yeah. um I thought. And but then the Afrobeat horn line kicked in, Oof. and it blasted out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And like, <laughs> and I found the EQ on the horns like it had that sort of trashy sort of EQ. Um, and it was a bit jarring to me, but then like I started listening oh. to it a bit more. I thought maybe it's the Barry. Like maybe they didn't need the Barry in there. Now oh, you're oh, Jesus Christ, I couldn't was disagree. Oh, cool. Oh, let's get into it in a shut second. Up. Um, I mean, like seriously, like, shut up, Barry. Does the world really need to know about how that Barry was EQ'd <laughs> on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, but everyone's obsessed with EQing horns to make them sound like you know. I just thought with so, no to make them sound like super clean. It's like, oh, no, one of them horns clean. are rough. Yeah, like, make them sound yeah, rough. Maybe I just thought it was going too far <laughs> the other way. But look, that, obviously that's. Super picky, um, and I was really listening with my producer hat on for the first few songs. Um, look, and as it went on, I started to think more about who was writing the songs, mm. and what like was there multiple songwriters at play on this album? Like on so on one hand we have the tracks that were fully on that sort of modern future soul mm. vibe, and then all of a sudden we'd have songs that a were like bands, fully bands horn tracks. heavy, like with that sort of Afro yeah, Colombian cumbia vibes, like almost what felt. Point where it felt like there was two totally different albums That's going on. That's a completely on. fair and, point. And like, 
I can put, and that's why I put the question in my head. Like, like was this a con- conscious decision to do this, or was there fully two separate songwriters? And I reckon it's probably the latter. Like, maybe there was a, mm. like, maybe there's like a really strong horn leader in the band. Go, oh, I want mean, these songs on the album, and then there's another group that, like, it felt like two, two groups or two factions, maybe. Two households, both alike. Oh, I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> what, do you, what do you reckon, Audrey, about, th- about that sweat point? Shakespeare now. <laughs> I, I had a similar thought and I thought this is a band that has been an Afrobeat band for years and years and years and yep. it's had a, like, I know that in the London scene they've had a life as a live band for yep. years. Right, okay. And they've been an Afrobeat band. But, you know, it's probably not tenable for 10 white well, a <laughs> band of white guys to put out an Afrobeat record right now. It's like yep. they, they Maybe, probably yeah. needed to find Fair their point. own v- voice to put out their album. Uh, that was just a personal thought. Like, I wonder if they if that was part of the process. Because I had a similar thought. I was like, this is an Afrobeat band that is now trying to be a future soul band. Uh, trying very successfully. Yeah, I, I mean, I like yeah, trying. Yeah. Like, it, it's great. But it's just like, then there was these elements that, like, uh, push out at me and you hear it in the horns it's like oh yeah this has been these guys have been doing those Afrobeat live rounds you know playing those gigs for yeah. for years um, it's a good point I mean I would say it, like I think it speaks a lot to band dynamics like 10 piece band mm. dynamics as yeah, well it's right? people, Where, that's like, right it's a lot of dudes in a yeah. room yeah, it's yeah, a lot yeah, of dudes absolutely. in a room and it's a lot have fun a, touring guys yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's you know it's a, it's a lot of um, and it, I, mean, I, I don't I don't know much about like the age of the group but I'm assuming there might be young people are they kind of like you know under 40 Young? D- definitely under 40, yeah. <laughs> I like how I'm calling that young, young yeah. right? Just keep um, getting yourself in there, are you? <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, I think that, like, everything that you've both said speaks a lot to that kind of conflict that, you know, you see in bands, big bands in particular, mm. um, you know, bands that have a horn section in particular, and if you've got an alpha horn section leader that's me and all of my right yep. like suddenly bang we've got a we've got a big we've got a bit like a sick horn line happening so the tracks almost like it's so yeah, it's flipped like, and with when that horn section thing happens it's usually so fucking good that you've got to find a place for it right so yeah um especially like that's what what makes me think it's coming from a live thing because yeah. like i'm a horn player so i know that like that shit it doesn't it never translates on a record the way it yeah, does yeah, live yeah, because yeah. it's right. like live goes. it's such an exciting thing and then yeah. you try and record and you're like why doesn't it feel like it does at the night cats yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it yeah, never yeah, will yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's yeah. such an amazing thing hey so we, we went from that like full afro Colombian vibe on mm. Mar Wonka and then we went back to that UK soul vibe of like yeah. buckle up buckle and it was up. so like mm. Omar the Fook I'm so glad you mentioned that because Jordan I the Mackay. only note that I wrote for this podcast was like Omar <laughs> exclamation mark because people totally don't talk Omar. about Omar oh, man, enough but like he's not just a gun like I, I, he's interesting I, in- I'm not going to pretend to know everything about the UK scene but like experiencing it and when I was I was there for like two well, months last year with o- Omar and being close years, personal so. friends with uh, <laughs> you know now that I'm close personal friends with Giles Peterson I yeah, can yeah. just <laughs> <laughs> no like uh, like I don't know I think the influence of Omar and the way he per- per- permeates through that scene and just like seeing him live a few times now mm. he's just He's so incredible and he's had a finger in so many worlds in that UK scene and his influence is so pronounced and you hear it everywhere and I just couldn't get over it. It was almost like I'm trying to think of the Australian equivalent but I can't but it was like it was everywhere. I just heard these 
young men singing like Omar. Yeah, and, and he like, doesn't. You're right. He doesn't get the credit he deserves. Does no, he? and he really was such a big part of that like house R and B crossover, which now I think is coming out in the UK jazz scene. Like this band, I think is an example of that, uh, where you hear the Afrobeat thing and the R and B thing, and they're kind of pronounced. But I also hear that sort of UK thing of there's this this sort of like. <laughs> I don't know. It's not this. It's not house music. That's not what I'm trying to say. But it's influenced by that sort of R&B house, which is that thing that for me is super unique UK. And I I feel the same with like Ezra Collective and stuff. And I feel the same with like 37 and stuff. But I I, I sort of feel like it's more come from the UK and then they've kind of put their Australian, amazing Australian spin on it. But like, when I was in the UK and that, that scene is so thriving and they, it's Absolutely. sort of called jazz, but it's not jazz at all. You yeah, know, well, it's, it, like, it's, it's the future it's jazz. It's something else, but it, it, and it's, it's really drawing on that UK club scene and the grime and garage, which is so fucking strong. And who was the person that bridged that gap? I feel like Omar was one of the big dudes that was like, and he's still um fresh and relevant when you see him. Like he his lineups are always he does, changing. He put out like, like a video with a big band of him singing his song "The Man." I love the man and like, with bass like clarinet. That song, I mean, like, yeah. Wh- who leads a hook with a bass clarinet? I'm just so it's surprised. Crazy. Like, and most people, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so ridiculous, but it works so well. And Sorry, you know, I think like well. I, I wonder why Omar like hasn't been hasn't bridged the gap between the American market as well because I'm like why isn't Robert Glasper on the phone to Omar being like dude let's yeah, like that's a good do this point, like I, I just feel like Omar like feeling three Omar yeah and like hearing him hear I heard so much of Omar in this record and like you said I also heard Jordan Rakai yeah. Which is like you know Aussie pride, but yeah. it it felt like it felt like this record was almost like a compilation of everything that's happening in the UK scene right now, so which is you, all good stuff. So like, were there any things that like popped to you in so much as tracks that kind of stood out that were like? I really liked the track with Ego Alame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really cool. Yep. Um. Yeah. I, and I love the track with Soweto because yeah, it's, I just it's thought that up. was a great saxophone song. Yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> but it I was don't good. want to reveal how much of a jazz nerd I am. So that but was, I, that I, was I thought Buckle Up and yeah, then uh, Buckle Up e- was Ego probably the one. Was the the twenty four seven. Yeah, twenty four seven. Yeah, that was that was cool. What track number was that, Eric? So tra- that was track eight. A track eight. What did I write about that? Nothing. There you go. Um, <laughs> Look, I mean, you know, we had a lot of, like, derivative Afro-Cuban jams on this album, I thought, that were... I mean, when I say derivative, that's not fair, but they they just weren't fully formed, a lot of... And then, what was that one track? Oh, yeah, track five. And then they brought the vocal in about halfway through mm. the track. And then it built really well towards the end, but it's just like, what are you trying to do, guys? You've been a bit cute here with with this. Um, just bring it in. Let's just let's nail it. I feel like they're going to make the next album, and it's going to be... More of a like, this is what this band is. That's a really. I good feel point. like this it, album was a very like everything about it is album. great. Yeah, yeah. Everything uh, about um, it is great, but it was so many different things, and yeah. it was like, we, what is what is your band? What is New Bind Twist? Because right. it sort of felt like to me, it was like every. I heard everything great about the UK scene, and I heard so much London. Like it sounds like London. It sounds yeah. like all this different stuff. But what? Why should I like? As a con- to t- put on a consumer hat, it's like why should I listen to this band and not like Ezra Collective and all these other different versions of this? Like it's like you've given me everything, but what's you? Yeah. Like what's your your thing? And that's sort and of what I was clear. searching for. Mm. But that's like nitpicking. Like I thought it was a great. I don't think it's nitpicking at all. I think it's like it's a very valid point because. 
the album was a tale of two styles, mm. two households, and um, <laughs> look, you, you and ha- I felt you had, and you had to make a decision. I, I, I found myself making a decision. I thought, look, if they hadn't made an EP of the Future Soul stuff, mm. which I thought they did really, really well. So um, synth bass, you want more than yeah, the yeah, synth more bass? Yeah, yeah, more, more mood more bass. Mood? And uh, just detuned slightly just to give it sort of that wonkiness. <laughs> and look, it would have been a solid release. And if I was DJing still, like, I would definitely, like, put it in my, like, fancy restaurant music for dining. Oh, yeah, the yeah. night has possibilities. Yeah. Great. I, I the, guy, the guy kind of Something could happen tonight, to the bathroom. you know. I might yeah, go yeah. out after this. I really want to see them live. Yeah, I oh, feel like great. whatever has been happening with this band life, because they're a real buzz in London as well. You know, everyone's like, oh, new band. It's like they've got this real buzz. I think. With uh, Nubai Garcia, maybe as well. Because uh, the yeah, name yeah. is similar. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about future jazz. Are we reviewing Nubai's album? What's that? Like, what was that? Uh, Chip, Chip actually yeah, yeah, panned that. it. Oh, he hated it. You yeah. did really? Yeah, like he, who as, panned it? Uh, Chip, Chip, who's like uh, just I don't know UK spiritual oh, jazz yeah, vibration guy. black finger Chilling. and another yeah. another thing popping in the UK right now. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. We've done a heap of like UK. We, we actually Dude, got really it, stuck with like the London scene last year, and to be honest, most of the things that were coming out were like we're gone. Uh, what about oh. the uh, Zara McFarlane album? Zara oh, McFarlane. yeah. So so th- that was incredible, wasn't incredible. it? Incredible. We put that in our album of the year last year. Like, I was in our top five. That was yeah, that was amazing. amazing. Salt, of and course. I, That's good cool that you know. listen to that because like, not a lot of people Zara had heard McFarlane. of it. Yeah, that uh, album was incredible. It was it was really amazing. What about Vibration Black Finger? Have you checked that one out? Yeah, I, yeah. I love it. So I, but I think it's interesting because, I mean, obviously, as you're going to find out based on my pick for this week, <laughs> yeah. I'm coming from yeah. a jazz background and it's just interesting all these iterations and sort of rebranding of jazz. Yeah, yeah. It it always happens, but it's really happening in the UK now. More and it's so like, than more so than the US. States, absolutely. 100%. Way more so. Yeah, yeah. And it's way cooler. And, and the UK thing. Well, and more like, freedom. They're not, they're not withheld by their heritage and you'd probably have a lot of comments to make on this. Oh, but, so, so many. But, we shouldn't but, even yeah, open we, we that. Go let's go. Let's no, go. No, 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 no. Let's not go there because like it is, it is a big conversation. Um, but, but then there's also this thing of the UK. It's like. The dance scene is a lot stronger in the UK and always has yeah. been. It's been. It permeates the whole culture as opposed to the US. What were you going to say? About what's going on in the UK right now? I I think it's really interesting because it's also like it's – it's very relative to jazz. It's it's very relative for me to the way jazz has been institutionalized, and now it is an education that people get. And this band, to me, like myself and my good friend James and all of us, we sound like people. We have jazz educations that we now we're trying to find a way to express ourselves through those educations. And I think it's stupid to pretend that's that's not happening. And there's sort of this like battle between like the jazz educated and the non jazz educated musicians, which is like kind of silly and it comes from this ego place from the people that have this jazz education and then this other place of like well I've been playing gigs for 10 years so like I don't need that fucking certificate from you know London University or whatever or the VCA but it's actually like it's still searching for the same thing it's like well okay I've got this information from my jazz degree and I've got this information from playing all these gigs but how do we marry the two things and like find a unique take on that because the world does not need that many jazz graduates it's just it's not needed living in new york that was so apparent there were so many people that could play saxophone well it becomes irrelevant it doesn't matter anymore it Mm. really doesn't because there's so many people that can do it so then it's like you've got to find your way and i feel like people like nubaya um i've heard jazz musicians judge her on this basis of like purely as a saxophone player and it's like yeah yeah Yeah. like who cares like 
Okay, she's not the best saxophone player that ever lived. She's fucking awesome at saxophone. Like, you can't deny that. And she's found a way to connect with people and a unique voice. And that's the point. That is the Mm. point of this music. The point is not to be the best. That's a different thing. Go and play AFL. It's always been about the music. It's a different thing. I 100% agree. Are we all agreeing on that? It's it's always about the music. Or or, or, uh, be a sports person or if make a guitarist. All the Foo Fighters. Yeah, all the Foo Fighters. <laughs> no, but I, I feel like this record... Okay, so what? There's lots of money rock musicians, there's jazz musicians, and then there's what? What's the Flamenco guitar players. Guitar player. Which is like a where the duel. Where the real money is. That's where the real, that's where the real <laughs> money is. But I'm interested, like... The purists. I, I don't know. I, I, I hear so much of, like, uh, a similar experience that I've had there of, like, I hear I hear a band that can do everything, mm. but needs to work out what it wants do to one. do. Oh, yeah. totally. That was really apparent. But so, it doesn't mean that they need to do one thing, like commit to Afrobeat or I, I, commit to I the agree, genre. It's just it like find t- your vibe. Yeah, it, it was, was too confusing. So the width between the two styles. And the memory that you have of the record becomes the guests rather than the band. Yeah. The what, sorry? The, the gu- guests, like the guest artists, the guest oh, singers guest. and yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. you know. I can't remember what song it was, Audrey, but there was one song, there was only one song on the whole album where it felt like the horns <laughs> and the future song, like it all blended together as one. Mm. And it wasn't a great song. But it just felt like the only song where they sort of all came oh. together and tried to. I'm to never going to remember what it's called, but I, I'm pretty sure I know what you mean. Yeah, um, and it's hard when you have horn, you know, because I, I, coming from the other side of it, being a horn player, like it's hard because, like, when it comes to making a record, your role is completely different. Because, like, in a live setting, you're necessary, and then on vibe. a record, it's like, well, it's not going to translate the same on a record, and mm. like, yeah, Good and point. It, some of the horn solos. Where I felt were there so that it, all the horns got a solo on the record. Yeah, right. And I don't know that. That's just me assuming. No, because we if do know I was that. in no, that band that. and I. Oh, 100% yeah. know that. And if I was in that band and I'd been playing live for 10 years, I'd yeah, be like, where's my fucking trumpet solo, yeah, yeah, motherfuckers? Because, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, I, I was there when we were doing gigs for $50. <laughs> yeah, totally. Give me my fucking trumpet solo. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. then there were some horn solos that really stood out. There was one saxophone solo. Yeah, and I'm sorry that I don't know what song it's on, but it came in and it was just this slow entry. And it was like this melodic development. And it was like the one guy that wasn't playing to be like this is my like 10 seconds of fame this is my chance like here i prove i told you i could play saxophone and yeah. here's the proof this guy was just like nah i'm gonna You're just playing. like make some music that's a vibe and it's the best one it's the one that i remember mm, even though i don't cool. remember what song it was on well let's take yeah, it to the board either. i mean I, I i don't think i've got too much more to add to say <laughs> apart from i loved tittle tattle and buckle up <laughs> So, Yay! So, me too. So, so work, Eric. let's thanks, guys. <laughs> so let's take it to the Shmuramatsa rating scale Ooh. about how many eyes were used to guard the baking of the unleavened bread. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to go first. I mean, I, I, I was into it. I, I, I mean, I think I share a lot of the sentiment in so much as like, um, you know, specifically when you kind of go to Afrobeat, kind of. Um, Almost, I guess, re- reference. The, 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 there's a problem in that 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 genre itself hasn't necessarily progressed since that era. So everyone's kind of like tapping this fellow mm. cootie vibe, yeah. and it's 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 done, and it's been getting done for the last twenty years. Yeah. So so without that, the pure movement of it happening, all we're doing is just like pressing a rewind button. And and to me, I'm like, there's plenty of groups, Femi Cootie. You know, Femi Cutie does it. Yeah, obviously, even public, locally, public opinions yeah. are fucking brilliant at it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, I, I would I, say, like, I think a difference between this. Oh, uh, actually, no. 
I don't know that. But what I love about public opinion is it's very it very marries the two world of like it, yeah, does. it marries them perfectly. You know? It yeah, does. They've always it does. nailed it, those guys. Um, whereas this kind of just felt yeah, as you, like as you guys have said, it's a bit like there's just a bit two camps sort of stuff. So I don't think it's going to be something I'm going to listen to again after this week. Mm. Um, but like I but like I pay mad respect to it. So I'll I'll give it probably uh, eight eyes, mm-hmm. eight eyes watching the baking. Of the unleavened bread and the water. And the protecting of, and the, the, protecting. of the, <laughs> the the grains and the water and the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. There was something else. Yeah, there was a lot. Um, Audrey, what do you what do about you? I think I'm going to go 14 eyes out of Yeah. Oh, Just right. because I feel like, like I, I think it's so close to being – like I think everything is great about it. Everything yeah. is done really well. It's just like they need one more album and maybe to tour this album and like yeah. maybe some people quit and some people keep their and realize who they are as a band. Mm. Audrey's going and deep into band politics. I love it. I love it's it. So it's good. Oh, I mean, can she's you imagine? Like broken down the whole psychology. <laughs> of this I looked band. at that p- picture on photo- on Spotify. They're like banner, you know, their cover picture yeah, yeah. on Spotify, and it's just like these ten dudes in a like sort of diamond. But there's one guy that's a little bit at the front, and I was like, that tour is going to be miserable. Have you considered though that they're all from Leeds and they're all from Northern England, you know? So what's like, a Leeds accent? It's, <laughs> oh, I don't know, but I have It's played, a Northern accent, it, right? It's very no, strong Northern. Northern. I have played yeah. some gigs there and I played yeah. a gig and they gave me a line six bass amplifier. I'm just like, I got to say, nah. I, I Sorry, d- had guys, decided before I looked it up, I had decided they were guys from like London, um, the Royal Academy or I whatever. I felt like that too. I, yeah. I was so sure they were that and I was super stoked when I saw they were from Leeds. I was like, no. Nice. Well, Leeds has got a really good music jazz music yeah. program up there like there's there's it's really well renowned and i can't remember what it's called but um yes um i reckon i'm more tipping towards audrey as well i'm gonna go um like i was gonna say i'm gonna give it 13 eyes with a, a 12 so eyes someone's wink. winking someone's winking <laughs> what about right. the uh, the what is it called the all-seeing eye someone's like looking at one <laughs> like like how yeah someone's I'm going to give it 13 eyes. Someone's third, looking at a grain. 12, 12 blah, 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 blah. and one all-seeing eye. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> From Waza, Look, which completely shatters it. It was way better than the um, Foo Fighters album for me. And that song, Buckle Up, was a corker. It was a cracker. It was, it was a cracker. It's true. A and uh, like th- this feels, the Foo Fighters feels like it's like, it's at the end. <laughs> and this feels <laughs> like right. it's at the start. Yeah. That's right. We've like, moved yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. I might not listen to this album again, but it, when this band puts another album out, You'll I'll be, yeah, check it you know. Out. That's yeah. a great. I, sure. I, I would You'll be looking to see how many people. Is that how you would feel? I would, 100%. Yeah. I, would, yeah. I would go, cool. What they, I want to listen to the next one. No, no. Mm. Audrey will be looking to see how many people are in the picture on the band. That's right. Yeah. Like, just be like, who's quit? Who's different? Oh, all the horns have been replaced. Interesting. Just like Deep Street Soul. Sure. One gig. And the guitar player. That is Nubian Twist's Freedom Fables.
The next album we have you tonight is Archie Shep and Jason Moran's new album, Let My People Go. Just think about this for a moment, guys. Archie Shep is 83. Yeah. This is a guy who in 1964, he played on day two of possibly the most famous or second most famous jazz album of all time, Love Supreme. Mm. Um, he recorded Ascension with, with Coltrane. Um He's been at the forefront of the avant-garde scene as a musician, a poet, and playwright. Uh, he's the composer of the epic civil rights statement album, Attica Blues, one of my favourites. Um, that album is on the turntable at home a lot. Um, from 1971 to 2001, he was a professor at the University of Massachusetts, and throughout this time he's produced music sporadically. Um, in 2004, he founded his own label, Archibald, out of Paris, and look, the other half of this group is uh, pianist Jason Moran. Um, he's from Houston, first found his feet as a member of Greg Osby's group. Uh, since 2000, Jason has been a stalwart of the global jazz scene, playing with everyone um, on top of being a composer and a solo artist of the highest order. Uh, this album was recorded across two festival sets in 2017 and 18 in Paris and Germany. And uh, look, it's how long has it been out for? A couple of months, I think. Yeah, I think it. Yeah. it I think it was recorded in 2017. Yep. When they played those festivals, so it's a live album. It is. But it's it only came out in like January, and I found it on Bandcamp. It was like crazy. It was very like under promoted, like all great jazz. Re- <laughs> well, <laughs> like most jazz records, it was under promoted. It was very lo-fi, and I just heard it, and I just lost my shit at hearing Ar- Ar- Archie play. It's just. Something else. Look, I'm going to go first and then I'll throw to you. Um, look, so like the the opening statement that, that I was thinking of making was that I thought that um, Jason was the absolute hero of this uh, show. Yeah, I, I would say that too. And, which he is to an extent, but like, the, you know, the more that you listen to it, um, like the more you realise that it was the sum of two legends making music together, that obviously added up to be a lot more than what you'd think a duo could do. So, like, like on paper, like, you know, this is a personal statement that I think a lot of times, you know, duo albums can be left feeling, you know, a bit a bit empty. Um, and I'm not a, not a big fan of them. And that's for, coming from someone who, like, I'm not a jazz nerd, but, like, I listen to a lot of jazz. Mm. Um, but the fact that it was a live album, I thought, was, was added to this a lot. Um, uh, look, I thought... Jason laid down such a magnificent foundation, um, like it was actually breathtaking. Mm. And um, look, the live album meant that obviously there's a lot of room miking going on, and added a whole lot of depth and you know bottom end to to this album that really gave it that sort of meaty foundation to sort of base you know what um, what Archie Shep laid on top of it. Um, Look, the track that's playing in the background, Motherless Child, mm. is stunning. Um, like, I wasn't really aware of the history of this song. Um, and, like, sort of I noted on first sort of listen that uh, it had a hymn-like quality in the intro the intro theme. And, like, when I did some research, it turned out that it's like an African-American spiritual and um, the first known performance of this song dates back to the 1870s. Um so, like, a bit of a history about it. The first known recording of it was made in 1926, and it was made famous by singer Bessie Griffin in 1960. 
but it's also been featured on a Peter, Paul and Mary album. A version of the song was for, um, retitled Freedom and, and was Freedom. played by Richie, Richie, Richie Havens mm. at Woodstock. Um, Brony Yam at Woodstock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, also, uh, sorry. Oh, and also in the um, Django soundtrack. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, Brony Yam recorded a disco version of it and apparently Prince often used to play a version of it live. Mm, yeah, and it's on one of those bootlegs yeah, that right. came out and it's fucked up good. So, like, this song obviously has, has a significant lineage and as you listen to it, like, you know, you can feel that. Like, I just sort of felt that you could feel it mm. speaking back through generations. Um, look, the interplay, track two, what was track two called, guys? Can, can you Probably. help me out, Ari? Yep. Um, I just thought the interplay um, of Jason finding his spots to play around Archie Shep um, mm. on the Strayhorn Ellington composition. Oh, yeah. Um, Isfahan. Lush Life. Oh, Isfahan, yeah. 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 It, That's it from was, the Fire Ace. It was subtle, but so brilliant. And the playing throughout like was really angular um, by him. And look, yeah, as I said, I'm not a jazz nerd, and apologies if I referenced the wrong people, but... You know, it sort of had a sort of a monk sort of piano vibe. Oh, it. no, I think that's spot on. And, you know, well, thanks, Audrey, but like I could sort of hear the purists and maybe in the our listeners saying, you know, obviously it wasn't oh, but monk. Fuck, the, it was, fuck those. It was more sort of like Evans, oh, like it. referencing, like, you know. Fuck that. Well, it is interesting <laughs> that you Referencing, you, you know, Tatum Two Finger Style over like a Jarrett for the vibe, Look, you know, it, whatever. Before we go to Audrey, because I'm not going to have too much. I'm still uh, going, Arik. Sorry. But I'll, <laughs> <laughs> just, just jump in. Fuck Before off. I get to aggressively jazz nerd all over this bitch. Um, <laughs> but I, I just thought that was a beautiful interpretation of of, of Duke Ellington's like '67 classic. Mm. Like it was beautiful. Um, uh, Lush Life is also like a Billy Strayhorn um, composition. And apparently, he wrote that when he was 16. Um, a long time before he met Duke Ellington. Yeah. Billy Strayhorn is an incredible Yeah, and he man. died when he was 51 because you know, of esophageal cancer, really, really yeah. young. Um, and obviously that's a track that, like, you know, Johnny Hartman and John Coltrane sort of made, uh, you know, owned. But um, mm. I thought that was a beautiful interpretation of that as well. Uh, I the one, the one track that I was sort of questioning was, like, do, you know, do we really need another version of Round Midnight? Like... Um, look, obviously it's a classic, but like I just didn't, I just felt like, you know, they'd interpreted all these sort of not non-famous classics, but obviously famous, but not sort of your standards. Mm. And I didn't think it needed it. Um, look, but overall for me, like I thought that this, um, I thought it wasn't so much as a piece of music, but a moment, uh, like it was full of space and, um, for longness, pain, honesty, history. And it just sort of made me sort of stop and pause and think that, Jesus Christ, this guy is like in his 80s and he's still mm. got so much to say. Like, there was... It was so. And he's still searching for stuff. It felt like Sorry he was. To like, you, no, no, he's it was still searching for something. You know, he was talk. He was talking and, and searching mm. and like it was really. It was great. Um, and the other thing that this album made me do was like it made me go back and listen to the originals of these tracks and some really sort of long lost tracks and some that I'd heard before and some that I hadn't. It was really nice to sort of um, revisit the Ellington Orchestra stuff of the early 60s and the Strayhorn stuff. So, yeah, look, overall, I just thought this was – I haven't really talked much about the album, but I, was, I thought it, when, a, when a piece of music or a piece of art can make you want to do all that sort of stuff, then it's succeeded in a really big way. I loved it. Yeah. Thanks, Was. So <laughs> I had a different experience 
uh, with the album, which was really just based around kind of, you know, go- you know, Googling as I went to find out more about the artist. And I um, punched, punched into Google Jason Moran to find out a little bit more. Mm. And oh, you went to the wrong Jason Moran. You yeah. went to the Melbourne there Underground. Was, the Melbourne Underground figure, Jason Moran. Jason Moran, <laughs> Australian criminal from Melbourne, one of the leaders of the Moran family, notable for its involvement in the Melbourne gangland killings. And uh, accompanying Mustachi Shep. And, <laughs> and, and, and his... <laughs> And his accomplice Archie Shep. So, so when I first saw <laughs> when I first saw this record, I was like, okay, this must be like some kind of you know referential hipster Melbourne thing of like people bringing up bringing up the the ghost of Jason Moran. And I was like, oh, yeah, Triple R. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, I can I can, I can get down with amazing. this. Um, but no, no. I, look, I uh, I gave it I gave it a bit of a list. I didn't go as obviously as deep into in, in, so into so much of the history and I think this also captures I guess the moments of when and how one listens to music and I listen to it today like in the middle of the day like driving driving 110 on the freeway with the sun shining and it just was the wrong time for yeah. me to listen to this record yeah, so yeah. I don't have too much to say about it apart from um, you know giving a little bit of Jason Moran trivia Mm-hmm. Around Alfonso Gaetano and 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 the whole underbelly crew, but I, 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 don't, I don't think I need to talk about that. So I might handball over to you, Audrey. You, you know, Deep Street Soul featured on Underbelly soundtrack. I remember, oh, I remember. So you, you know, you made some noise about it. Was so now <laughs> I understand this entire podcast is just a cheap plug for Deep Street. It's just to basically we, we've never been the there. Actually, have we ever been there? We no, haven't we really? haven't. No, we, no, I've been there. I don't think we've ever talked about it. One no. week was is just going to be like, let's review this. Uh. Yeah, 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 <laughs> let's get yeah, Audrey in so we can talk about heritage album. But what about you, Audrey? I mean, you brought this into us. What what was what what was the kind of impetus for you to bring this to us tonight? Tonight. Well, I think it's interesting where it's fallen after the Foo Fighters record <laughs> and the New White record because I think it's a different. I mean, it's almost a different art, art form. This is not an album. It's a, no, it's a, it's a live capture of two people making music in the moment. And as you said, it's a moment in time. And that, mm. that, that is what this music is. And it is interesting, especially given the last record we reviewed is so coming from this history of jazz. And the album that we just reviewed, New Buy and Twist, like I'm not being a wanker when I say it would not exist without people like Archie Shep like it wouldn't exist without the artistry that came before it and I think what what makes me feel feel things when I listen to like this record is like um it, it, it's very different to what we were speaking about with the Foo Fighters record and and the New Bayern Twist one it's not about production it's almost the opposite it's like two men one in their 40s one in the 80s, who, and Jason Moran, no doubt, would have grown up idolizing Archie Shep. And, you know, it's this this legacy. They're both African-American. They've both lived that history and that life in America. And then they get to this point where they can express themselves better through playing an instrument and improvising than they can through speaking. And I think the moments on this record where Archie sings are actually probably my favorite records. I mean, he has this beautiful alto sound and he's still like he's in his eighties and like <laughs> it's probably a bit too reflective, but like if you love this music and you like, if you are an improviser, and you play improvised music, you play live music. Like it doesn't have to be wanky jazz music. If you play live music, you you know that that is a thing that exists in the moment and it's different from records. It's not better, it's not worse, but it's a different thing. And those moments are, are like 
for me, that's that's why I stay alive. That is that is everything. And I feel like when I listen to this record and I listen to Archie, it's like this is a guy that's in his eighties and he's still like he's still trying to find a new place to get into. And you feel you can like Jason Moran sounds young on this record. You can hear him trying to connect with Archie and you can hear this conversation. It's incredible. But when Archie sings, it's so raw and it's so devoid of all the stuff that has, has kind of, yeah. And when you think about jazz, like even now I've sort of been trying to justify it, like using the word jazz with all this wanky sort of stuff, because like what I was saying earlier, it's been institutionalized. It's become Mm. this thing where it's more about like uh, an education, like classical music or this thing of like superiority. But actually where it comes from is just like this pure expression in the moment. Like the way all those records were made, all those records you mentioned that Archie was on, like they were capturing a moment. And I, I felt like when I listened to this record, it was just amongst like everything that was going on last year and, just listening to it, I, I can't believe people can be that in tune. Do you reckon they knew at the time that, that, that they were creating a moment? Do you reckon it had that feel about it? I think they just probably someone, I mean, I don't know this, but this, I feel like someone would have offered to record it and they would have just yeah, recorded yeah, sure. it. I yeah. feel like, I, I feel like those two guys would just be like making music to make music. And I mean, it's interesting because I was being such a wanker before talking about the Foo Fighters and art. And I think like, this is the opposite of the Foo Fighters. There's no commercial outcome for this record. There is no commercial outcome. Like there's no way they're not going to get a sync. <laughs> like yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. have to consider any of this. So the only consideration that Jason Murray like Jason Moran as a as an artist is is an artist in the truest sense where like his financial considerations are getting grants as opposed yeah, to getting yeah. record deals like you know he he hasn't he, so it's a different sort of pursuit but I don't know I just listened to this record and it it makes me feel like so many things about uh how jazz has become this word blanketed onto university degrees and all this sort of thing. And then you hear this and this is like, this is what it, this is what it is. This is what it was. And I'm not saying that there's not other examples of it, but this is such a pure example of like, this is people that can speak through instruments or through singing. And it's articulating like, I don't know how you felt was, but I really felt when I listened to it, I didn't, it, it was like ha- an, reading a, an essay on civil rights or something. It's like you're getting that all of those emotions you and all the of history. the feeling. Yeah, you yeah. felt the feelings of oppression without ha- without it being explicitly expressed to you. It's expressed to you through music, through art, and yeah, that's that's why I, when you messaged me about this podcast, it was just sort of where I was at the time when I first heard this. I, I heard a little bit of it. Like it, it's actually like it was in one of those like best jazz on Bandcamp things, and I sort of listened to it. And I've always been a fan of Jason Moran. He is a beautiful, incredible pianist, yeah. and I've seen him live a few times. And also, like just to backtrack, giving and he's playing, isn't he? He's incredible, and also like huge influence on like Robert Glasper, all that yeah. sort of stuff. Like I, I think people like it's very cool to talk about all those future jazz artists and all the influences from hip hop. You're hearing lots of Glasper references in some of his playing as well. To- but they're like. But Jason Moran references. That's, right, like, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's, I, I think, like, it's very cool to, like, 
like there's sort of this narrative, you know, and it's it just fits perfectly with just the band we just reviewed. There's this narrative of like, yeah, all the cool jazz music, it's like they're totally influenced by like, um, you know, hip hop and then Herbie Hancock. And it's like, I mean, Herbie is my god. Like, no, <laughs> I'm not trying mm. to sanction. But there's this whole like, there's there's so much much more to it and there's yeah, so much an, depth. It's an ethos. And, what do you guys yeah. think about the concept of this album? Like, you know, you've both sort of spoken so much about, like, it's almost like a legacy album happening in 2021. You know mm. what I mean? Like, you're, you're, you've both spoken about this sort of, like, this lived history and this, like, amazing, like, influence of these two artists on a moment in time from their career to this point to then go back. Well, it felt like it was connecting just, points. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I think it's just it just creates a really kind of interesting concept about how we view the concept of, like, a new release, yeah. And you know what I mean. Like this is yeah, not. As opposed this to is not trying to kind of go. And this is the new sound. This is just like this is our sound. We'll, we'll it's pick, not, but it's know? also like in a way, like f- for me, of the other two, I didn't listen to the Paper Cards mm. record, but of the other two, like this is the most progressive for me because it's like this is people trying to do something new, like. Uh, not to, it's stupid to compare it to the other records but the Foo Fighters is like this is this music that has been made before and here's our version of it yeah. and I felt the same about the new Buy and Twist record yeah. whereas this is more of a like yeah, pu- this is pushing. two older men striving to express themselves through this thing and it's not mm. to say that it's better because it's also a different pursuit like yeah. these guys weren't weren't trying to make a record that would get streamed on Spotify. Yeah. Or, like, these guys aren't trying to get Spotify playlisted. That's no, just not a thing on their radar. Yeah. And But I, I think also, like, I, I mean, I'm reflecting now in this moment because I had this sort of anxiety, like, oh, my God, my suggestion for this podcast was so inappropriate. And, like, these guys want to talk about records and I've bought this thing that's, like, a different thing. But now I'm thinking about it and I'm like, actually, this is something that's getting lost now that we have streaming. And now that when you make a record, you, you have to consider those sort of things like is this like streamable on Spotify like even the fact that this is duo and it's like those sort of things like if if this this sort of music is lost we also like this is what made New Bind Twist. This mm. is what made mm. all of the stuff that you love. This is why hip hop exists like because of this stuff and I think losing this is like uh, and losing sight of why this sort of pursuit, this pursuit that Jason Moran and Archie Shep have lived for to just be able to express themselves. And I, I've met both of them. Wow. I told you I would name drop. Yeah. But in very lame context where I was like, I love your music. <laughs> but like, like it's not a cool story at all. But I think they are two people that, you know, that I'm not saying they're devoid of ego, but they are genuinely on a pursuit beyond popularity. Like they're on a pursuit to just like make good music and 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 strive to achieve like the best that they can as as musicians just try to achieve something something new and fresh which is yeah and and i think there's also a thing where like uh i feel like everyone that would have been in the audience for those shows would have had some sort of profound experience and like you said it's not the right situation to listen to it on a highway and even listening to this record it was great but like it would be nothing compared to being Mm. in that room but I feel like I have this amazing memory where I saw Wayne Shorter with my mum and my my mum is like a visual arts teacher but she she was a visual artist and whatever and we saw Wayne Shorter the concert went for about two and a half hours but it felt like it was five minutes and Mm. both of us were just floored and my mum who doesn't give a shit about jazz except she kind of likes George Benson, you know. It's not (laughs) – it's like it always gets painted, this music, as if you have to be some sort of wanker with a jazz degree or Mm, like wearing a hat. It's like if you you listen to this and when you really hear – 
people with this level of virtuosity and this level of like um, – and virtuosity in a specifically jazz – uh, a specifically improvised music sense rather than a like classical yeah, it music transcends. sense. It it is transcendental yeah. and all this stuff which is super trendy in the UK scene and you know it's super trendy everyone's using this word spiritual jazz. Mm. It spiritual jazz comes from Archie Shepp and John Coltrane mm. and Alice Coltrane. You know it comes from them trying to transcend. Yeah. They're literally trying to have an experience making music outside of their own bodies. Yeah. Like and now it gets kind of caught up in this thing and it's like I I do feel sometimes it's forgetting where it sort of comes even hiatus cody you know that's all like coming from this tradition mm. so in the spirit of um you know i guess really um you know light and light and joyous reviews from the two of you oh my will, god i'm so we, sorry we might move to the shmuramatsa we're rating <laughs> Please, scale you should have cut me off at least five minutes <laughs> I earlier think, look, I, I think i think to be honest um audrey did i, I mention i'm in, in midnight oil yeah. <laughs> 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 just to bring the fans and, and we're back. Also, so, um, <laughs> God, so, so look, you know, I think, I think with everything, I think with everything you've said, and both yourself, Waza, I think it would only be, it would only be fair to to bring the Shmuramatsu's rating scale to this record and score it from a sense of eyes watching a, a piece of flatbread <laughs> rice. <laughs> Oh, also artistry. You know, there's um, there is so much artistry in Mata. Right. Um, so much protection of artistry as well. So uh you, perhaps you you wanna you wanna take us away. I mean I I'm gonna give it nineteen eyes. Nineteen eyes. I mean so I would give it twenty, a- but I'm giving it nineteen because I think like maybe it could have been edited slightly better into a record. And I actually agree with Was. I think like things like Round Midnight was probably amazing in the live context, but they could yeah. have made it more of a record. It didn't need to be there. Record listening. But yeah. if, if you listen on Spotify, there is all the bonus tracks as well, which was which quite I, interesting I as well. I did love. I haven't gone mm. through that, but like, you know, they seemed a bit more standard as well. So mm. I'm sort of glad that they did pick the more, um, the more, what's the word? Uh, not not as well known tracks as mm. some of their covers, and to put that on the album, um, I'm going to go. Sorry, keep going. Uh, I was just going to say they're also all jazz standards that have a pretty significant like civil rights civil history. Rights, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 and and well, like, would you say is it ain't misbehaving got like a civil rights history? <sighs> no, but it it was like a it, it's a trad. It's an early jazz standard, and it's yeah. I don't did, know. It was did it Pat was swallow write that song, or is that it's earlier than that? I'm not actually sure. Mm. I should know that. You should know See, that. See, I did go Come to the VCA, but I still don't know. But like things like like Lush Life and the Billy Strayhorn thing, like mm. without getting into it because it's a whole other thing, but Billy Strayhorn is a guy that wrote a lot of the music that is credited yeah. to Duke Ellington. Yeah. And stuff is just starting to come out about him now because he was a queer man, he was yeah. a gay man, and because of that he basically like – lost a lot of his intellectual property to Duke Ellington. It's a very complex story and Duke Ellington is still awesome. Like it's not this thing where he like exploited someone. But Billy Strayhorn was like, well, I want to be a gay man so I can't get famous. It's funny how he says, use the word, you know, I hang out in a lot of gay clubs as in Lush Life as that's part of the lyrics. Yeah, I mean. sort of like, you know, that would have been interpreted the other way but it yeah. was not meant well, to be like that. yeah, I, I don't actually know if that's – if that's as explicit as it is, it's mm. interesting. But there's books being written about Billy Strayhorn now and there's this whole thing with his family trying to get uh, credit for his the songs that he wrote, which yeah, have right. been credited to Duke Ellington because of the gay oh thing. And God. Duke Ellington, you know, is also definitely at least bisexual like, yeah, right. by, by all accounts. Jazz is a very um, has a very deep very queer history complex, that yeah. no one really talks about. <laughs> 
So well, on that I'll, note, I'll, 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 so I'll take it back to my. This has all got really heavy. Can we talk so, about the Foo Fighters so, again? So I'll, um, <laughs> I'm going to go so with, the, with, with, you, with you know, with once again, I'm both just, of your, in, you know, uh, really amazingly insightful. I tried um, really hard to go with her on. on no, no, this and you've, noting, look, and you've both I've, been really fantastic. I've tried. But like, you know, I, I think it's really important that we preserve the Shmurumatsa, um rating scale. Um, so I'm going <laughs> to. I'm gonna go right ahead and give the, you know, you know, give this a score. Um uh, you know, I I think there's something amazing about doing this podcast, which is like when you get together with people in a room and you get to be informed like not only as to why they are into the record, but everything around all of that. Um I like it, it would almost feel like like just rubbish for me to even try and score this, given the fact that now I've got all of this history around it. Like I didn't do my research on who the people were, so I just like press play. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool, you know. You know, it's sunny and I like, mean, it's I'm, also you know, like if you had asked me to review the Foo Fighters, and right. I didn't know that Dave Grohl was in Nirvana. Right, it's like exactly. that sort so, of you know, thing. I'm checking yeah. my emails. I'm like, yeah, this is yeah. kind of cool, you know. Yeah, cool sax sound. Yeah, yeah, dig the sax. Hey, my Ford Fiesta's air conditioning yeah, yeah. not working. Hang on, second one was Yeah, and I was like. <laughs> I was like, I was like, damn, this AC's off its head. Um, you know, so like I think context is a lot. Um, so I might just yeah. kind of, I, I might do an NA on this. Okay, cool. No worries. Yeah. Um, look, I just also want to like say thank you to like for your passion and knowledge on this album. Oh, please don't. No, 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 it's, no, no it's, it's too it's, weird. It's so good. It's, you know, you, you, it's, it's yeah, beautiful. You don't, have, you don't have to respond to that, but like yeah. I agree with Wise. It, it actually is it's really beautiful. It's so, it's so fucking cool. Banks so, is really happy yeah. to, do the, to do these parts. Well, thank you. And I, I could have, I did also try and change my pick two days ago <laughs> just to cover it. Because no, no, I was like, I think I missed the book. Wrong audience. We need like Coldplay. I also like hip yeah, Coldplay. Um. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna. I, I like this album a lot more than I thought I was gonna like it, um, which is weird actually because I don't know why I thought that. But I also want to point out that Pitchfork actually reviewed this album. I oh gave, my god! I gave it a really good review. Of course yeah, they did. Yeah. 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 So that's, that makes but like, total but like, sense. But like park that because that's yeah. like so obvious. Of course they so. would have. Okay. You know, we gotta stop talking about. Pitchfork. Okay. That's yeah. so funny though. Anyway. Of course Pitchfork did. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can you imagine if they didn't? It just be ca- like it would just be game over. Okay, so I'm going to give it Sorry, a. Um, right, we're talking about pitchfork. <laughs> I'm going to give it a fifteen. Fifteen eyes. Another half eye. Um, half fifteen eyes, eyes out of twenty. I think that's good. Yeah, I think that's good. I don't want to keep talking, but the last thing I will say, I think from someone from I, I think of you as like a a producer bass player. You know, okay. I think from a production standpoint, that's a that's pretty. Uh, I just thought uh, of it you know, as in like po- if you look at it as a, like an album. I, I, I if I was reviewing it as an album, like I would probably go a bit lower. So I'm kind of viewing it as like a. Well, I didn't think of it like that. I thought of it as like a moment. It felt yeah, like a, it like felt a like moment. moment. So I'm rating it differently than I would. An it's album. very hard to rate in the same Matsu system as we rated the other two. It was so cool to like Maybe hear we the a new Matsu system. Well, I didn't know it was a live mm. album to start off with, so it was cool to hear the coughing going on. Like yeah. in the start, I was just like going, "Oh, There's this is a live album. Dude. Okay, is this coughing? Yeah." And right, then you imagine that they're all, they're in some fucking like. Uh, fancy theatre in France and you know that it's just like a million wide dudes in the audience well if you get on YouTube you can watch it so the the concert is filmed so you can see the whole thing alright I've jazz nerded enough over your podcast I think we're done and dusted we've got a 15 (laughs) a 19 and and a and a not applicable. Which we need. Which we need to like well I have one last week we need to kind of um, standardise that for the yeah, yeah. I didn't rate that madly album last week because I was so angry. So, um, yep, we're done. Move on. Next album. Thanks. 
Eric, I'm going to do what we said we would never do again, and I've gone to the Wikipedia because I mean, it was just too hard for these guys. There wasn't a heap of stuff out there, but yeah, Paper Kites are an Australian indie rock folk slash rock band from Melbourne. Um, the band was formed in 2009 by lead vocalist guitarist Sam Bentley and keyboardist guitarist Christina Lacey. Before forming the band, the current five members were close friends in high school. Bentley and Lacey began writing and playing music together and continued to do so for a few years after high school. They gained some attention by playing in their hometown of Melbourne and in 2010 they expanded the lineup uh, by adding Sam Rasmussen, um, David is it Powers and Josh Bentley to the group. Um, to date, they've released four albums, with Roses being their fifth, Long Player, which has been produced by Bentley, along with Tim Anzek of the band Big, Big Scary. Scary. Um, they've been nominated for both Arias and J Awards. And what was the al- album that was um, nominated for Adult album. Contemporary? Oh, yeah, they've also been nominated world. for Adult Contemporary. I mean, what, yeah, what a yeah. stupid category. I mean, our f- <laughs> one that speaks to my tastes... <laughs> You, you're an adult contemporary. I am an adult contemporary cons- <laughs> music consumer. Um, look, they've toured all over the place, toured the world. Um, look, it's funny. I seem to know snippets about this band, but never really sort of tuned into any of their music. Um, but the thing that I sort of always have picked up is that when people have talked about them, and I know one of the guys who mixed them, that there's just always a quality about this band that I just sort of get the vibe that they're like legit and that there's a real quality. So I was really looking forward to checking out this album. And I've actually got a feeling I may have recorded some of um, Kylie's album in their studio <laughs> in Caulfield. I think if this is the same band, but um, Lewis was renting out their space, I think, maybe while they're overseas. And we recorded a couple of her vocals in there. But anyway. There you go. Do you know what's straight? Um, like it's on the corner of um, uh, Dandenong Road and... Um, Hawthorne. No, no, on way way further down near Glen Ferry, um, oh, but on okay. the other side, which is where you turn around to go under the, the bridge. Oh, if yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking like more Taronga vibe. Uh, yeah, close to Taronga yeah, yeah. or between, like between Glen. Well, we're really near Glen Ferry, but oh, on the way yeah. to Taronga. Good spot. Anyway, great <laughs> place to make a record. Southside respect. Um, when I think about good records, I think about Glen Ferry, That intersection. Look, it probably isn't their studio. It's probably someone else um, that has Let's kites in the title. Um, look, I listen to most um, albums on headphones these days, as we all do. But for some reason, thirty seconds into this album, I'm like going, I need. to pushed up and put this on the speakers because it had that sort of big speaker vibe and it just felt like an album that needed the space and and air to breathe um look the first song felt like a meditation and it was so nice to hear marrow um sing and look people may know her from a collab with um jacob collier on the mahogany sessions um it's called is it um um ocean wide canyon deep Oh my god, it's just yeah. She was incredible. in his band. Yeah, she was in his band. Well, yep, yep. Yeah. It's a Portuguese singer. Um, so this album is basically a collab album where they just get a bunch of um, uh, female um, vocalists to come and sing with Sam on the album. Um, so yeah, lo- lots of lots of cl- the whole album is just basically a collab album. Uh, so the first track was uh, with Marrow, and um, that felt really him like. The second track. Um, is it? How do you pronounce the Irish word A O I F E? Is it Aif? Or, or I never know how to pronounce that. 
No, no one. No, no one's help helping us. you. No. A O I F E. Can all the Celtic sort of uh, crew uh, write in with pronunciation suggestions? But F O'Donovan um, on track two, fucking killed it. Like um, I think she's American old country singer, and the track itself was like a really standard indie country tune, but. Awesome performances from both vocalists helped just elevate it to another level. Felt like like a Mazzy Star sort of early nineties vibe. Yep. Love that track. Um uh, the one thing that sort of stood out, like, was that they seemed he's they seemed to have picked um vocalists that really complemented his voice. Um uh, and I thought that was really interesting. And there's also like really subtle Celtic folk melodies that sort of permeate through a lot of the vocal melodies and it helps it. It gives it a really, a really familiar vibe. Um, track three had a real Nick Va- Nick Drake vibe. Um, the track that was playing Blas before with Ainsley Wills, who I reckon I both love. Oh, what a great song! Too. Yeah, she's that oh my god, first. holy she's shit, she's legit amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. We love her. Um, we'll, yeah, we'll, that probably needs its own podcast. We all love Ainsley. Yeah, she, oh, what a singer! She's what so a, good. So what a songwriter! Great songwriter. songwriter. Um, and so that track, you know, with the Thompson Twin references, really eighties, great bassline, really just just really great song. Um, PJ Harvey guitar vibes on the Julia Stone collab. Um, I love the poor use of pauses in the song "Take Me Home." Thought it was really effective in like you know creating sort of mood and tension. Um, I guess when you're delivering songs that aren't super busy, like. Like especially quarterly, like you know, you have to bring a vibe and and the feels, and this album does that. I think for a lot of the time, um, if I was going to be really honest, I think um, uh, look, you can argue that there's a sameness about a number of the tracks that come later in the album because most of the songs are paced at the same BPM, uh, but you know, look, they're delivered honestly. And they all tell a story and they build majestically. So they generally draw you in. But that was my only criticism of the album. I thought there were some beautiful songs. Um, and, yeah, I really liked it. That's amazing. I really liked it. Is it amazing? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like, no, it's it's great to hear that. I think, it's, I, I think what's really interesting in the way you talked about this is you've kind of looked at it as a, a, in a track-to-track kind of space how do you normally listen to albums no 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 no, no. but like there's something there's sometimes like you get an album you're like it's just fucking great i loved it start to finish done loved it and 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 there was something about this record to me that was like i think it demanded that because there was so many guest vocalists well i mean like my note was basically there we go 10 singles right um and 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 because of that i just completely tuned out like i i felt like Ah, they were going they were just going for like like it was just like it was like a, I mean, it's kind of it's unfortunate to like use this as like negative feedback, but it was just like a, it was just a hit machine, like just big songs, big hooks. Okay, got it. So you didn't finish, feel it as now. I didn't feel anything listening to this record. Right, I was okay. like, um, I thought the production was kind of cool. I loved like you know like I was like oh okay the producers decide to change the drum tone yeah. on on each of the tracks, and I'm like that's a you know, I'm like, I'm like, respect. That's like a big effort. You know what I mean? Mm. That's like that takes time. Mm. You know, um, and then I was like, but the, te- the tempo was literally exactly the same for each track. It was. It was like, I, I, I would challenge that. Like, it's the exact same BPM yeah. every song, um, and and that to me is just like 
from an album point of view, like I don't, I don't think albums need to be diverse sounding, and I don't. I also don't think they need to be diverse tempo. But there's something about just the one tempo, at or the tempo that they chose mm. that just made me just completely just lose interest. You I mean, know? if there had been a press release saying this is a concept album all in the same BPM, yeah, you like, you'd be like, oh my God, <laughs> oh my God, this is genius. <laughs> um, yeah. Right, but oh no, no, absolutely fair enough. That's yeah. a fair enough point. Um, but to me, like... <laughs> it might not be a fair point. No, but I can't, I, I, I totally shit can this. I was like... Wow. Okay. Yeah, I was like, everything, same tempo, just same shitty introspection, same <laughs> melancholic <laughs> navel gazing. I don't need to hear this. Um, but, but, but the Still My Heart song by Ansley Wills was like properly a standout and, um, I loved it. And I think when thinking about the concept of tempo, I was like, wow, they landed on that tempo perfectly. Like it was just the perfect tempo for that song. Like it's just got a bit of swagger, but it's just slow enough that it just feels like. It felt like a song that would have been played in the romantic montage to a Molly Ringwald film, Ringwald mm. film, in like Pretty in Pink or something. It, it, it was just, just amazing. It was, it was brilliant. It was so, it sort of had that don't you forget about me vibe about it, except at half pace. It was so 100%. good. 100%. So good. 100% agreed. And Do you think they set out to make 10 singles? I reckon. I, I yeah. think so. I mean, like, just mm. to go through it, who's who nice, released nice the album? Nice, nice intro on an album. No, but it's a good point. Like, Audrey, I'm, good. I'm pretty sure these guys <laughs> are on a big label. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is a big label record. Is so. it? I was, on, I was wondering. I just wonder because the- there's all that talk in the industry that, like, you know, albums are a thing of the past. No, you know. Look, that maybe now I, you every song's got to yeah, be playlistable. Yeah, I think that's valid. Like that, yep. that is a thing, and that's maybe that hasn't been sort of felt in Australia as much as it has mm. been in the States. But then um, when you think about the albums that you really love, you love that there's that weird track that would never be a single. Like if you think of it like the White Album or something, there's all those songs on that that you're just like, Sony, what the fuck is this? It's Sony, it's 100%. It's, it's 100%. Uh, that's, that is, well, that I mean, is, if that you're is gonna instruction get that many, all the way from the top. Look, if you're going to get that many guest artists in, you've got to have some like, you mm. know, cashola behind you, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, with, especially with some of the the strength of some of the singers um, that do have profiles, but um, yeah, I didn't feel the same way as you, Eric. Um, I mean, did you listen to this in your Ford Fiesta as well? I did, listen, did to this, listen to this. I listened to this in my Ford Fiesta right. exactly. <laughs> yeah, so well, the, with it, with the it, FFF, the Ford Fiesta with factor. It, with it, yeah, it's a big, it's a big factor. <laughs> but well, one one song I did also like um, was like I don't know. There's something about like like everything that you've said. Today, to date, was about this record. No, it's been about production and musical aesthetic. No, that's not true. I disagree. Mm -hmm. And I would say that I have not, I have like, Climb on Your Tears. What was that about? Um, Was that later in the album? No, it was second track. Steal My Heart Away. What was that about? And and this is a singer songwriter record of which none of the lyrics did anything for me. So okay. I was yeah, like, okay, I'm good. out. I'm yep. like, this, I find that this is bullshit. So this- <laughs> and then I... Why did you choose this as the one album you decided to listen to no, the because I've been, No, because like, I've always been, had a curiosity around this group. They, like, they've been around for a while. They've yep. obviously got um, credibility of sorts. Yep. And then, bang, you've got Ainsley Wills on it, so I'll listen to it. And <laughs> and then, and you know, and Matt, I think, Matt Redlick produced some of their previous work. Oh, okay, right. So I was very curious to know... 
you know, I, I didn't even know if if this was produced by Matt, but I've checked. No, it, it wasn't. Not, it was, yeah. um, which is probably why it's not as good. Uh, um, uh. <laughs> but then there was a song Crossfire, which I thought was really good, and uh, that was with a feature of Amanda Bergman. And I thought I oh, really yeah, I didn't like that one that much. Well, I just I thought it had this kind of like Nick Cave kind of dark esque sort of vibe, and I, I was kind of into it. But it's like you know, totally not in my world of. That's music. so funny, isn't it? Like I've written for that track. I thought that track was a little bit derivative. <laughs> So the one track that you liked yeah, yeah, was yeah. the one that I thought was derivative. Well, that's it. All music is good, right? All music is good. Um, so, look, for me, uh, I don't think the world's going to benefit from this album. Um, but at the same time, like I think it's a cool experimentation of tempos. I think if it had this come out last year, it would have had a bigger impact. It's got this like real introspective, like, you know, everything's slow and sort of dreamy sort of thing. And I'm like, it's like the sun's shining, it's 2021, you know, we're open. And this this just has no impact on me right now, you know. Um, I, I need like fast tempo. I need like you need you know, uh, making a fire. In the USA. Yeah, you need. You know, I need. Nah, 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 um, So yeah, look, that, that that's my review. I might uh, go to the rating scale. I, I, you know, or, um, Audrey, you, I'm more you. It's, you're more than welcome to kind of opine. <laughs> right. yeah. Just off. I mean, you can review our reviews. That's I'll give it I'm going to give it 10 eyes 10 50, eyes 50-50 because yeah. I haven't listened to it but actually no 12 because they used Ainsley Wills and she's fucking yeah, awesome she's the best. and more people just need to be obsessed with her because she's wild yeah agreed so we got tw- we got 12 eyes observing the shmurumatsa I'm going <laughs> to the observation <laughs> tank <laughs> the observation <laughs> tank I'm going to I'm going to go pretty low on this I'm going to give it a uh, I'm just going to give it uh, 10 eyes observing. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't feel like I could give it <laughs> – I've got to give it more than 12 eyes. I oh, think. sorry. Did I go too high? No, 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 no. That's that's good. No, I think I was going to give it more than 12 anyway. Uh, I think I'm going to land on 14 eyes for this one. Wait. What did you give the Foo Fighters? Uh, 10. So you've gone, cool. you've gone okay. a good okay. chunk higher. Good chunk higher. A, than a the bare food chunk. There, there is a lot of people standing around the bread and the water observing this album and liking it to a reasonably. I it think could that, like I, I just, yeah, sorry, go, Audrey. Oh, no. I was going to say, I think literally more people would have observed this album when it was being made than the Foo Fighters that's, album. That's a legitimate point, and that's why you've scored it more highly. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes perfect sense. I think sense. you took the um, that- scoring system quite literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got- how many people actually, observed the making there was of this actually, album? There how, many, four- how many people in the room taking yeah, there a percentage of the album? Sony execs. Well, obviously, I was in the studio. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot more Sony execs in the yeah. room. For I was this in the room, obviously, at some stage. <laughs> at some point. <laughs> yeah. And you were, you know, kind of, sort of, yeah, somehow observing. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd give it another go, Eric. Like, you know, okay. on the big speakers, maybe. All right, let's put them on the bigs. Yeah, <laughs> over the weekend. Um, look, what can we say? That's uh, that's it for this week, Eric. Do do the outro as you always do. So thank you very much, was Audrey. It's been an absolute pleasure to thank have you, for you me. Uh, this week. We we cannot wait for more stories from the road, <laughs> be it with um, you know, I mean, yeah, the who's who of everything <laughs> that's going on in this in this world right now. Um, 
yeah, thank you again for sharing again the um, the Archie Shep record with us. Um, let us all go home and listen to that again. When I say us, I mean me. Um, Obviously, go out and buy Audrey's new EP. Go out and buy Audrey's new EP. I hope uh, you know the borders open up and you get to do all that amazing work that you were doing again internationally. Um, Waza, thank you once again for uh, holding the ship steady, unlike the guy in the Suez Canal that did not. <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah, oh, topical. Oh, topical. Totally. Um, At the end of the oh, no, episode, I like he to brings drop the bombs. I, like I like to drop the bombs at the end. <laughs> this has been the All Music Is Good podcast. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening.